there's only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie, and that is Bojo's. And right now, the good folks down at Bojo's are giving the DNVR family a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. It's a pretty sweet deal. We haven't had it yet, so you got to let us know how good the honey cheese bread is. I probably won't be having it for a long time. Maybe these guys can fill me in if you don't. But I think it'd be better if you guys check it out, go to Bojo's, get the free honey cheese bread, and come back onto the pod and let us know how great it is. Make sure you head down to Bojo. They have $4 happy hours in select locations and gluten-free and plant-based options. So head to the nearest location, grab an entree, and get that free honey cheese bread. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use that code DNVR20 to get 20% off your next order of Strava Craft Coffee. And Zach, I saw your girlfriend was very excited that she got a new shipment of Strava the other day. She freaking loves this stuff. Can't get enough. As many bags as she can get her hands on. That's what she, she, she likes it all too. Man, I had a sip. They have the flavors too are incredible. I, I've never realized that because the flavors are kind of small because it's highlighting the great coffee and the CBD. Oh, man, there was a toasted marshmallow one, Whoa. a little black cherry and chocolate. I mean, and this stuff tastes so good. Well, you've got um, anniversary gifts, Christmas gifts, all of it's covered now. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'm set. All right. Well, it's great to have Mace back on the podcast today. Welcome back, Mace. Thank you. Good to be back. A little colder here than it was back in Florida. It was 80 degrees all three days. Oh, my God. Near record warmth. It was exactly what you wanted from three days in Florida, weather-wise. And, of course, this was the year that they decided, and also last year as well, to have practices indoors rather than outside. They used to have them at a couple of high schools for the Shrine Bowl. Now they just take everything inside Tropicana Field, which in and of itself is bizarre. I, I I know why they use it rather than going to Raymond James Stadium because it's an event that St. Petersburg hosts. It would, you know, basically St. Petersburg and Tampa are kind of like Minneapolis and St. Paul. Okay. So, so they have to have it in their stadium because it's a St. Pete event, but it was a good week. I mean, the, the thing that jumps out to me is that um, you kind of get confirmation about what we've suspected, and that is that this draft, it's strong at wide receiver and on the offensive line, and it's strong going into day three. And mm. the defensive line also is deeper than I anticipated. And again, that's another position the Broncos are targeting. So they're going to be able to get some quality all the way into day three. That's important. That's yeah. good to know. Uh, and... You're right. It does confirm what we already know. And normally on this podcast, we talk about the top of the draft. Um, but we haven't talked about guys. Is his name Jawan Johnson? From Oregon. From Oregon. Oh, we my. haven't talked about guys like that. Yes. 
You talk about him. You talk if you're looking at a slot. He had a rough start to the week, but Drew Locke's slot receiver Jonathan Johnson mm. had a fantastic day Both yesterday. Both of those guys, great names, definitely going to succeed. <laughs> well, anyone with Johnson, right? Right. I mean, that fits right in where we're going on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> From what I've gathered, <laughs> some yes. of the handles. Uh, What's so amazed is this: the the first thing that I think of when you say that is, should receiver be bumped down in priority in terms of round one? Well, I don't think it should be bumped down, but I think it's if you're talking about oh, maybe the Broncos should go receiver and at the first rounder, and then maybe early in the third round, or you know, there have been some people saying, hey, let's double up on receiver, let's go receiver one two. I don't think that's wise here. And again, if you're looking for a slot receiver, for example, I mean, you get the wide receiver too, I think, from day one or day two of the draft. The slot receiver you can find on day three. There's a long history of slot receivers falling to that spot because usually they're smaller. Maybe they don't have, you know, four, two, five speed. There's something missing, but they're still effective. They're good route runners. That was the thing that kind of, as I watched Jonathan Johnson yesterday in particular, was I thought that his route running. Just from sometimes you see it from they take coaching well. You see the route running improve from day to day. You see some if you see something in a player's game clearly improve from day one to day three, that's a real good sign because you figure out that he's coachable as well. That he's able to take teaching and apply it to his game. There are some guys they hear the teaching but they can't get it to where it manifests itself on the field. Okay, so you've mentioned a couple guys now. Let me just ask you this to start and then we'll we'll kind of get more broad you get one guy from the shrine game to join the broncos on day three of the draft who's your guy and and i i was going to ask the same question i was going to phrase it who's the philip Lindsay? doesn't have to be a running back okay Ooh. well i think part of this is also based on how things might be different on the offense. I think there may be room for another power offensive lineman. And it's a guy I touched on in my piece from Louisiana Lafayette, Kelvin Becton, guard, who was just mowing people down, pushing guys four and five yards downfield consistently. Like a Orlando Franklin type? Yeah. A little bit uh, not, as, not, not as angular as Orlando Franklin. There's a little bit more of a center of gravity with yeah. him than Big O had. But just mean, nasty, tenacious, and smart uh, as well. Just what John Elway loves in his offensive linemen. But I said smart. <laughs> wow. Um, it is interesting. Dalton Reisner reminds me of him. Yes. It is interesting in this world that we're now living in, in the Pat Shermer world, and I guess we have we have to get a lot of Mesa's thoughts on. I things. know well, hell of a week that I I yeah. missed watching these day three guys. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, circle back to that in a sec. But it is interesting in this Pat Shermer world, where he does a little bit of everything. I feel like you're not in the box at all in terms of the offensive lineman you want to get. Now some people think he runs gap. Some people think he runs zone. The truth is, as we mentioned yesterday, he runs a little bit of everything, and he runs what works best for the line that he has. So. You've got a, a guy who works really well in power in Connor McGovern. You've got a guy who can probably go both ways in Dalton Reisner. You've got Garrett Bowles, who's a pretty powerful type of guy. 
if you wanted to take a guy like that, well, now all of a sudden you probably are going to end up running a little more gap power because that's what works for your offensive line. Um, I think it's really interesting how they aren't painted into a corner here in terms of what they're going to do at offensive but, line. Sorry, I by the way, I said Kel- Kelvin Becton. I'm on like three hours of sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant Kevin Dotson. Is oh, okay. I was thinking about uh, Becton, the offensive lineman from Louisville, because someone's already asked him, asked us about him in the comments section, talking again about how the Broncos could be looking for a different type of offensive lineman now than they were in the pure Shanahan zone blocking scheme. Right. Yeah, it's an interesting um, dynamic here. I think you kind of want guys who could do both. But ideally, you probably want guys that all, they specialize in the same thing, right? I mean, ideally, you don't want two guys that are great in zone and can do power, and then three guys that are great in power but can also do do zone, right? You're kind of stuck in that. Well, yeah. Right you, now. But ideally, don't you want all the guys that can do one thing great? Not necessarily, because maybe you want to have elements of both. And, and maybe, I think that's and what he does want. Right. And I think what you want is sometimes, let's say you got guys on the right flank, the right tackle, and the right guard. Maybe you want their skill sets to kind of fill in each other's gaps a little bit. The interesting thing is Mike Munchak, when he came in, it was, okay, well, he kind of likes power gap, but he has experience in zone. That's what they're going to do in this. Now you're bringing in Pat Shermer, who I think is the same type of guy. He prefers eh, – I don't want to put words no, in his mouth. Does. But I think, I think that he prefers right. that style, but he also has experience in zone. He runs a lot of outside zone. So I wonder if the two of them, since they, lean, they both lean one way but have experience in the other – will end up convincing each other that they want to go more to power gap. Maybe. Yeah. And remember a couple of years ago watching Will Hernandez down at the Senior Bowl? Oh, yeah. Oh, from yeah. UTEP? We loved him. Where did he go? Who drafted New York. him? Giants. Mm-hmm. That and then true. didn't he get he in was... a big fight in training camp? And yes, was he did. swinging helmets? Someone like was someone like day. legitimate. Like, he was swinging at, like... Yeah. Didn't uh, back was, down was from it anybody. Vernon? Was that their guy? Yeah, it was a big name. Yeah. <laughs> What do we call him? A mountain? El Gigante. <laughs> Damon Harrison. Snacks. Oh, right. Snacks. Who he had himself no a bite. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Mace. Tell us just a few more guys that we need to put on the official DNVR Broncos radar here uh, as we expand our knowledge of the draft. Well, if you're looking for another edge rusher and – you know how John Elway always likes to be deep there. Uh, Alex Highsmith from out of Charlotte, he he was a little better in the individual drills than he was in the team, but just a lot of speed, a lot of quickness there. Um, you had uh, Bravion Roy, a uh, defensive lineman from out of Baylor, 330 pounds. Hmm. I am looking for a nose tackle that's got a little bit more of a pass rush punch than Mike Purcell had at times. I think you can start Purcell. He can play well, but you want to fortify that. Do you guys think Kyle Pecco is the answer as a rotational nose tackle behind Mike Purcell? No. I, I don't think he's not the answer. I, I think he's fine as a depth guy. I, I would love getting a guy in day three that's going to be here for a while and eventually be your starter. Okay. I think Mike Purcell is the starter for the foreseeable future. You think so? Yep. But you're still looking for somebody else who can spell him. And you're, again, we're talking about day three. Right. 
Okay. He'd be a good potential day three pick. Uh, Khalil Davis out of Nebraska. Now, he might slip into day two. Uh, Interior defensive lineman. Okay, okay. Monster. Another guy who's just pushing people around consistently all week. There's another big Nebraska lineman who's – is it or is it DeMario? I'm trying to remember the guy's name when I was scouting Nebraska before the Buffs played him. <laughs> they have a beast nose tackle. I can't remember his name. But um, maybe we're thinking of the same guy. Would you be okay with a Nebraska guy on the Broncos? He's yeah. okay with uh, Jano, isn't Yeah, Jano's fine. <laughs> By the way, have you guys talked about the future of Andy Janovic yet? Yeah, we have. We have. Yeah. The, the future is uh, Broncos don't have a choice. The future is he's probably not going to get injured next year. I'll touch wood for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, the future also means Andrew Beck has got to make the team as a tight end. Yep, and I think not, he will. Uh, yeah, I think he will too. But I think what's interesting there is you have – Andrew Beck, part of the reason he's on the roster is his versatility at tight end and fullback. But if he doesn't li- deliver the goods at tight end, then, you know. I'll tell you, there's a lot of guys on this offense who, if they don't have a home here, will land on the nice pillow in San Francisco. Mm, yep, definitely see it. <laughs> yeah. Whether that be Jano, whether that be Andrew Beck. So you guys think Andrew Beck's making this team right now? Oh, yeah. I don't. Really? No. I think no, it's look, exactly it, what Pat Shermer wants. This is a team that can afford one fullback right now. And you have to afford Andy Janovich. You just signed him up, so he, he has the money this year. As of right now, he's making the team. If they draft a tight end on day three, I don't think he's making the team. Janovich. I'm talking about Beck. Oh, Beck. Beck. Yeah, I just, mm, he was used way more as a fullback last year than a tight end. Here's the thing. Jano. <laughs> Sorry, now you guys that came up in the comments. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. And so now I'm I was I laughed at that and I, I never noticed that, but now I'm noticing every time you say here's the thing. That's my thing. Um Jano is only gonna be around for one more year. Mm-hmm. And by the time Jano is gone, you are going to need someone to fill that role. Andrew Beck can hang around as a do-it-all type of guy for one year and fit into that role very nicely. Next you don't year. you don't keep a roster spot for an entire year for a backup fullback. He's not a backup fullback this year. He's a backup tight end this year. Mm. He also allows you to move on from Jeff Hireman if you want. You think they're going to do that? You think they're going to move on from Jeff Hireman? Uh, because have, I would, I would make that move. I would do Andrew Beck over Jeff. I Hireman. think they, I think they might wait to move on from Jeff Hireman though until after the draft. Here's the thing. Remember, uh, again, Rich Gangarello <laughs> loved Andrew Beck. Mm-hmm. You know who also loved Andrew Beck? Vic did. Vic Fangio, and that's yeah. why he'll be around. And another thing, when we talk about Andy Janovic, we're talking about a Tom McMahon loves. Fullback. No, we're talking Andy about Janovich. a backup tight end. Yeah, we're talking about ba- we're talking about fullbacks and backup tight ends. And they may both still be on the roster just because you have coaches who are absolutely in love with those two players. So Man, you're telling we me were that on... a backup fullback is going to transition as a backup tight end. I know he has the fullback no, was, slash tight end. But he was a tight end in college. Was... You're asking him to transfer, transition back to what he once was. What, what he's done mm. in the NFL is fullback. So now you're asking him to change positions. So a fullback's going to make the roster as the second fullback being a backup tight end. Yes. Okay. Guys, uh, guys okay. like Andrew Beck end up playing eight years under the radar without you realizing it. Can you imagine if we were a radio show in Denver that wasn't a specialized Broncos show, how mad people would be that we're talking about the backup fullback <laughs> slash third string tight end right now? 
And that's the freedom that we get on this mm-hmm. podcast because mm-hmm. no one can complain that we're not talking about this or that. So, But that leads yeah. me into this, Mace. Yes. Uh, a couple different questions that we need to settle here. Uh, but let's just start with this. Your thoughts on the firing of Rich Gangarello and subsequent hiring of Pat Shermer. Well, it didn't surprise me. Neither aspect did. Just Hold on. It didn't surprise you on the surface, or it didn't actually surprise you when you got the notification? You weren't surprised. I was not surprised. Wow. Okay. You, that makes one of us in the whole world. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and and Mace, like I'd I said. Heard a, I'd heard a little something that there might be something in the works. Mm. That Vic was, Vic was not happy with Rich Gangrello at the end of the year. And that... Vic had some frustration with the fact that he was being perceived as kind of a conservative stick in the mud when, in fact, Vic wants to attack. Vic wants to go deep. Vic wants something dynamic on offense. And you just look over the course of his career, some of the more successful teams he's been around have had dynamic quarterbacks, dynamic offenses, young quarterbacks. Fangio is not afraid to go with a young quarterback, and he's not afraid to push it downfield. Ultimately, he understands also that ultimately if you have a better offense that you're not playing these games where you have to hold the opponent to below 17 points to win because you can't rely on that in today's NFL. You just can't. So the and I kind of joked to myself that, yeah, if something happens, it'll probably happen on a weekend because I remember when Ray Rhodes back in January of 2003 he and Mike Shanahan had a conscious uncoupling. Mm. Rhodes was the defensive coordinator. Ray Rhodes got railroaded. You could say that. <laughs> Rhodes was able to manipulate things to work for his old buddy, Mike Holmgren, in Seattle as defensive coordinator. And once he had that parachute, it just all kind of fell into place. And that broke, I believe, on a Saturday night during the playoffs. Hmm. So the fact that something came out during Sunday afternoon postseason play, well, that's just the Broncos. That's just how these things end up going. During the Chiefs game, too, stealing a little uh, little spotlight from them. At the time, they were actually giving the Chiefs a break from <laughs> yeah, they getting were. walloped. Yep. Yeah, I, I was actually – I just dropped my daughter off at a pool party, indoor pool, obviously, and I was about to head to the airport when I saw it all break de- break at about two o'clock on Sunday, and I'm just like, "Crap, I got to go to the airport." But it, uh, it was the timing could not have been worse for me when <laughs> yeah. that came out. Okay, so but it, but continue. yeah, so I knew there was an undercurrent of frustration. Ultimately, I thought what would happen is that I thought at the end of the season, Vic talked and Elway talked about how they're going to do the player reviews in February. But kind of the coaching reviews happen before then because you obviously want to set your staff. You don't want to review the coaches in February and then make changes when the market is thin. So I had figured that Vic might ask Rich Gangarello, okay, what would you change? What, what are you going to do differently in 2020? Take some time, come back, and show me what you do. Perhaps Vic did not get the answers he wanted. I was, and there was a pre, yep. and there's a pre-existing 
relationship, friendship between Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer. They haven't worked together, but there's a mutual respect. They've been in the same division. Fangio's game plan against Pat Shermer's offenses. Uh, the two of them like each other. Shermer's available. He's worked with young quarterbacks over the course of his career. His it, mom is Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Try some restaurants in North Denver, perhaps. Yeah. Enjoy the best Italian food that Colorado has to offer. It it just seemed to, to be a, a, a snug fit. And then T.C. McCartney, man, I feel bad for him. He's just collateral damage. Yeah, it's... Un- <sighs> Remember, I said I'm going to trust my gut on everything this year. That's my goal. My gut tells me that that wasn't a good move, moving on from T.C. McCartney. I think that you had a real opportunity there to develop a young star, and you missed it. I think there was just no chance of him staying, though. That's Yeah, I mean, that's fine. But I'm just saying I, my gut feeling tells me that was not the right move. And some of the names being tossed around for a quarterback coach um, – One's already off the board and flip. Yeah, I didn't think that was a possibility. Uh, the name that I keep hearing a lot of is Mike Shula. Yeah, that's the perfect fit. Makes a lot of sense. He's a safe hire. He's been a coordinator, a much better coordinator in Carolina than he was with Tampa Bay. I'm going to date myself here, but I recall when he was Tony Dungy's offensive coordinator and got fired after four seasons that included two playoff appearances because the offense was stale. But you're not asking Mike Shula to call plays. You're asking him to coach the quarterbacks, and he's always been a very good quarterback coach. He did a lot of good work with Cam Newton in particular. Well, and I think the most important thing about it is Mike Shula gets his guy and and Mm -hmm. gets to be comfortable. That's Pat Shermer, you mean? Yes, yes. Uh, gets his guy in Mike Shula. If you weren't going to get your guy and you wanted to kind of roll the dice, you would have stayed with T.C. McCartney. Right, right. You would have. And it just goes back to, reminds me of Vance Joseph, when the first year that he was head coach in Denver, he didn't have his guys on the staff because John Elway wanted to say in that. Same thing just happened. John Elway wanted his guys on the offensive side of the ball, so he got Rich Scangarello. Now, in year two, Vic gets his guys. I'm glad that that Pat Sh- Pat Shermer. Boy, I'm going to get those confused. I'm glad that Pat Shermer gets his guy from the get go. Okay, let me ask you guys. Wait, wait this. really quick. Sorry. New segment. Whenever someone new comes in, we tell everyone how to spell it so it doesn't get misspelled in the comments every single day. <laughs> Shermer. S-H-U-R-M-U-R. It's actually the easiest possible spelling of the name in my How opinion. have people been spelling it? It's probably an E at the end. S-C-H-E-R-M-E-R. S-C-H-E-R-M-U-R. S-C-H-U-R-M-E-R. Are you guys familiar with the John Hughes movies of the 1980s? Of course. Okay. Zach and I have binge-watched those <laughs> all the time. No, I have name no idea one. what you're talking like about. Like The Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 16 Candles. 16 Candles. All of them are set in a fictional suburb of Chicago on the north side called Shermer. (laughs) But it's spelled S-H-E-R-M-E-R. Yep. Yep. That's what a lot of people have spelled it. I mean, there's so many. Do you add the C? Is it it one E, one U, one E, uh, or one U, one E, two E's, two U's. (laughs) No, at, no C. So there's just so many ways you can miss Two years it. together or two years separate? Right. I mean. <laughs> so. Anyways, S-H-U-R-M-U-R. The easiest one. Easy. It's easy to remember. And his, his father was Frick Shermer, long-time, uh, long-time assistant coach in the NFL. Yes. And Mike Shula, no famous family members. 
Oh, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not famous at all. I mean, he never coached a major college program, right? I mean, yeah. nope. Yeah, just an unknown. I think Alabama would prefer to forget that he ever coached there. <laughs> Alabama made some questionable hires before they got Nick Saban. Well, the thing with Mike Shula is he had the connection. He played at Alabama. Oh, I'm surprised John Elway likes him. He, he, yeah, he was. <laughs> Maybe the, he doesn't. He was the Maybe Alabama. That's why he's not the uh, quarterbacks coach yet. Yeah, he was Alabama's quarterback in the 1980s when Ray Perkins was the coach, and Ray Perkins had replaced Bear Bryant. So it was the whole thing of, oh well, you know, he he's you know one person removed from the Bear, so let's go get him. That was kind of the thing at Alabama for a while was making sure that they had someone connected to Bear Bryant, especially because when they hired him, hmm, like I'm going to bring a, a name that we brought up in previous podcast. He was hired after Mike Price, yep, Mike Price was dismissed back. for his uh, dalliance with a prostitute. It's rolling, baby. It's rolling. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, but there was a point I wanted to make on Shermer and Scangarello and everything here. Now that we know that clearly Vic Fangio was unhappy with Rich Scangarello, how much of what Jason Lockhanfora reported during the season regarding the offensive discord do you buy? I think we were always – I forget. I got to remember what the whole report was. There was something in the report that we took issue with. And other parts of the report that we said, yeah, we've kind of heard stuff like this. I can't remember what the whole thing was. But one of the – I guess, like, the taking issue with every play call, I don't believe that. <laughs> um, but we we just – I think our, our main thought on that story was it's a slight exaggeration of some real things that are going on. Yeah, that's exactly what we thought. But now I do believe just everything about it a little more Be- because of this. Now, we knew Vic Fangio did not – hide his frustration with Rich Scangarello during the season at times. So we knew there was something going on there. But, yeah, I mean, every little thing, uh, there was certainly some truth to it, obviously, as we're finding out. But we were never ones to just completely defend it either. Right. We, we weren't doing the Dove Valley two-step on that. <laughs> there we go. We got it in <laughs> two in a row. Uh, Mace, the Dove, da- the Dove Valley two-step, if you didn't catch the podcast yesterday, is just spinning something – for the Broncos, hmm. It was a it was a uh, term coined by Iceman. We love it. We're sick of <laughs> it. Um, There's so a lot of that. We are now at least five minutes into this talk, and I still haven't gotten your opinion. Do you like it or not? <laughs> I like it just because um, I think Pat Shermer, while he's, I mean, this isn't the second coming of Mike Martz with the Rams back with the gray show on turf. I, I can't regard my Pat Shermer as an offensive genius. Um, I do regard him as an improvement. I think he will modernize things a bit. If everyone expects a game breaking offense, I think they're going to be disappointed, but do you expect a little more melding of the scheme to the talent of the players? Yeah. Do you expect a better feel for situational play calling than Rick Scangarello had? Yeah. And I think the feel of Scangarello in games, that is something that did concern people in the Broncos building. That uh, the thought that, okay, you may never, the feel is something that you may never get at this level. Mm-hmm. and can you afford to try to learn on the job, to try to figure this out, 
or if there's a better option out there on the table, someone who's more proven and can bring you some of the same strengths as far as working with quarterbacks that Scangarello brought, then you can go ahead and get him. So isn't, isn't I'm, o- I'm okay with the move in part. And also, there's a, a, a notion being floated around, kind of around the campfire, that you know, Scangarello thought Brett Rippon was the better of the, cor- of the young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. No way. In camp, in training camp, <laughs> not the end of the season. I don't buy it. But, um, we know there was some hesitation from someone in the organization, Andrew Locke, and a lot of people it felt like pointed it w- the finger at, at Rich Gangrella. Well, remember, he talked about how it takes quarterbacks time I was gonna to say, be ready. It wasn't necessarily hesitation on Drew Locke specifically. It was a staunch belief that you should wait a whole year with a quarterback. For the, someone the, relative, hesitation, the hesitation of bringing him in. For is, someone is relatively young, I, I feel like, or relatively young in terms of being in the NFL, I thought Scangrello was surprisingly inflexible. Right. You would expect somebody who's literally in his third season in the NFL full-time. Of course, he did that year with the Falcons where he was unpaid. You would expect so you know, younger mind, fresher ideas, and it just it didn't feel that way with Rich Gangarello at times. It felt like he very much wanted things to fit in specific boxes and be done in specific ways. That okay, the way to develop a quarterback is to take your time with him. Right. Well, and and Mace going along with that, I think maybe the most beneficial upgrade that you get from Pat Shermer is he won't be afraid. And that's this kind of goes along with the feel and Scangarella being a little conservative is that Scangarella, this was his first time doing it. He just took a big step up, so he didn't want to mess up. He didn't want to uh, create turnovers, and the Broncos are actually pretty good at that, not turning the ball over. But now with Shermer, you have someone who's not going to be afraid. And that itself is just going to open the offense up a lot. And I think that's just a big thing that Vic wants is just someone there that he doesn't have to babysit and hear every single call and moan and groan at some of the calls, but someone he can say, all right, tell on Monday, Pat, we're going to be very aggressive this week. You handle it. And then Vic doesn't have to worry much about it. Let him be the head coach of the offense. Right. It's exactly what Vic Fangio wanted all along, I think. And he certainly only compounded that feeling as he felt like he had to babysit Rich Skanker. So why hire a first-time NFL offensive coordinator? That's the con- w- that's the thing that continually baffles me. If We you all did- know the answer to well, that. Well, I, I know that. But <laughs> it, it just shows how the hire on some levels made absolutely no sense. They might have been better off sticking with Billy Muss. Oh. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you just need to get away from a bad thing, even if it leads you to another bad thing. So you might be able to get the good thing later on. Um, Billy Muss has worked with Pat Shermer, by the way. But then, Mace, then you wouldn't be on your fifth <laughs> offensive coordinator in five years. You got to keep that streak going. We got to be thinking about who's in next year. Okay, remember how this came up with Champ Bailey back when he was a Bronco? How how like so much of his success was remarkable because at, he had Larry Coyer for his first three seasons as a. Bronco, and then you went, you know, Jim Bates, Bob Slowick, Mike Nolan, Wink Martindale, Dennis Allen, Jack Del Rio, and you managed to get Jack Del Rio for a, a couple of years, and then that was it. And then at, the Broncos moved on after that. So Did the Raiders hired two Broncos defensive coordinators in a row. Yes, as head coaches. 
Weird. Um, sound living Jack Del Rio. Right. Um, okay. One better, day you go out swinging. Yeah. <laughs> better than or better for Drew Locke? Yes or no? Honestly, I don't know yet. Okay. Uh, it, because that depends on just Great how podcasting. He, well, Love on on the fence take. <laughs> no, because I just a, kidding. I don't know who his quarterback coach is, and B, I don't know how he's going to connect intellectually with Pat Shermer and the new quarterback coach Drew Locke. Even though, you know, even though they were reticent to play him, Drew Locke isn't a Bronco if he doesn't uh, kind of have a good positive meeting with Rich Gangrello when he comes in in April. Yeah, I um, that was my one big drawback. Is You took a, a fairly young offensive coordinator and a very young uh, quarterbacks coach who had a fantastic relationship with Drew Locke, mm-hmm. and now you're going to bring in two old guys. And that's the thing. I think that Brett Rippon may have been thought to be better during training camp, but I think everything kind of smoothed itself out, especially once Drew Locke was being prepared to play. And once he was doing the VR stuff when he was on IR, I think Drew Locke did win a lot of people in that building over. And and by the end of the season, the relationships that the coaches had with Drew Locke were universally positive, all the way up to Vic Fangio. So I have to ask you, Mace, then, if you say you're not sure if this is a good move for Drew Locke, how at the same time can you say this is a good move overall? Because the offense, the offense will be better. I expect. How, how I expect. Well, then it's a good I, move for I expect, Locke, right? I expect better feel for the play calling. I expect uh, better use of personnel. I think all of those maybe, things can only benefit Drew. Locke, right. Though. If if you're getting Philip Lindsay outside rather than slamming him up the gut way too often, if you're getting Philip Lindsay the ball in space and freeing him to do what he does best, I think that will op- open things up for Drew Locke. If you use Noah Fant like Evan Ingram, don't ask him to block so much. Let him be that Joker tight end in space. I think. I think. Noah Fant could go off so, this year. So and Mace, these things would help Drew Locke as far as weaponry and production, but you're still focused on the development of Drew Locke, and the jury will be out until we see how Drew Locke meshes with his new coaches in that specific regard. But, Mace, I think I just I think I came over the fence and gently helped you down the fence onto one side because it sounds like it's going to be good for Drew Locke. Well, unless he's... Unless he's got these weapons, but it's a chemistry disaster with him and whoever the quarterback coaches. The bro- that's the, that, and that's why I, I can't say yes or no right now. I'll just say this. The Broncos' offense can't get better if Drew Locke gets worse. But is this offense going to make him better? Yes. So then the offense will get better. And it's You're not moves. convincing me. Oh. It's a good move. <laughs> it's possible that all these things could be better, and yet if Drew Locke doesn't mesh with his coaches drew locks i don't think he gets worse but maybe he his progress stalls i don't think i'm with you on the chemistry i don't think there's any chance of drew lock not like he doesn't like pat Shermer. he gets like angry about things and now he's upset and i think he's it's not a, that yeah. guy i acknowledge it's a minimal shot of this happening this is probably what i'm describing is probably a has probably about a 25 percent chance of happening which means there's a guy Seventy-five percent chance it'll work out fine I, with I think, Shermer and whoever the QB coach happens to be. I think Drew Lock could be best friends with Josh McDaniels if he needed to be. <laughs> but could Baker Mayfield? No, not at all. <laughs> by so, the way, by the way, I heard your excerpt on the Lock. Bur- uh, that's where Burrow I was going to lead us to Trevor. next. 
Zach, what did you side with? Just who did you choose? Trevor, Burrow, Locke. But how how I did that was I said I think a lot of people outside of Denver would would do Trevor Burrow somewhere with that order, and then Locke way below and be criticizing. I'm Locke's right in the mix. Locke is higher than he was, but I'll I have after watching this past season, I have made a change. I would put Burrow ahead of Trevor. That's exactly what we yep, said on the pod we, yesterday. Yeah, we that, that's what you would do. Burrow, Lawrence, Locke. <laughs> and so we all had different uh, rankings. And admittedly, part of it is, yeah, we, we've seen warts on both Burrow and Trevor Lawrence now over the course of the couple of years. But as I come down to it, I'm sorry, Trevor, but I've got two quarterbacks who are both young and promising, but I'm not taking the 6'6 guy. <laughs> over too tall huh yeah i mean that's why he was overstriding in the national championship like it, it bring not why but it brings it more into play taller guys are more prone to overstriding they're more prone to overstriding and and safeties can see their eyes more you know what i really don't like over this past four days and it's really just escalated for me in the past 24 hours is the way joe burrow's acting and I'm i get you, you just won the national championship and i get celebrating and i get being happy and being confident I'm not bashing for anything, but like, man, it's just these things. And and Ryan, yeah, you pointed it out first. It's just all these things. Ugh, it's it's a lot right now. Let him enjoy the moment for but crying it's not, it's out loud. It's not that I'm not letting. That's what I'm saying. You can celebrate. I, I I don't care if you're at clubs going crazy celebrating. Like I would never criticize someone for partying. I'm not mad about him being happy. It's just like these extremely confident over overconfident things i think yeah i i noticed i never noticed it about joe burrow until the lead up to the national championship game and sometimes the more cameras that are around the more opportunities the more you start to show and like normally i love this stuff i get a weird vibe when he does it i don't know why and and i I readily admit maybe it's just because the broncos aren't looking for a quarterback so it's a lot easier for me to be hypercritical of these guys but when like normally i would love that video of him looking at the the picture of him as a little kid and he's like what is it she's like does this what does this look like to you he's like it looks like a national champion (laughs) i would love that stuff i don't know why it just it rubbed me the wrong way i don't care that he's not gonna be a bronco i love that stuff right now i just uh, uh, it's you know, it's the sort of thing, admittedly, if I were in Joe Burrow's shoes, that I'd probably say at this moment. I think I would, too. I, I just, when he says it, I I feel weird about it. I don't know why. What really just irked me was him admitting that the Odell money was real and him saying that he was admitting that Odell's money was real because he's not a college athlete anymore. And that's just like, man, you just threw all of your teammates yeah, under the bus by move. doing that. It was such a snitch move. And that that's not something if he's going to succeed in the NFL. But I just did not like that. You're supposed to be this leader, and you just threw everyone under the bus. Wait, let's just talk about this situation. And oh, and there's a great yeah. new let's development. Let's take a 35,000-foot view of this. Okay, how many billions of dollars is ESPN paying for the rights to show these games? Oh, don't go down there. <laughs> no, I am. I'm, I am going down. Okay, go ahead. Okay, do your thing. Dabo, Dabo, and Ed Orgeron both have mid six figure bonuses. Tons of money. And we are worried about OBJ tossing out some hundred dollar bills to these guys. We're not. I'm not. What the? <laughs> no. I'm sorry. This is just nuts. 
It but is. also, I mean, Odell is nuts for doing that. Okay, so a, stupid. It doesn't always have to be an apples-to-apples apples comparison. Should college athletes <laughs> be paid? Yes. Or should they get? Should there be more freedom in that uh, world? I don't think they should be about? paid because you're creating this whole Title IX thing. I think they should be able to, to make money off their likeness. I don't think anyone disagrees. But Odell Beckham is an idiot for what he did. <sighs> Period. End of story. That doesn't have to be compared to the money that the coaches right. are making and blah, blah, I know. blah. I, th- I think we got our eyes on the wrong ball here. I think Odell, you, you can say that Odell Beckham Jr. is a moron. Yes, we can have our, but we can have our eyes on more, ball, more than one ball right. at once. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, he is an idiot, and I'm still going <laughs> to focus a little more on the bigger picture of saying, why are we worried about this? The We're, other thing also with Joe Burrow. It was right in our face. <laughs> That's why everyone's worried about it. If you're Joe Burrow, how Keep much are you shut. hoping that the Car- that the Bengals fall in love with Justin Herbert next week in Mobile Maybe he's, and the Carolina Panthers he's trade up? He's sabotaging his right, stock right. by not Ooh, going to Mobile. He, dude, he's playing 3D chess. <laughs> But okay. it's his home. It's his home. Yeah, I think he But wants- it's his home, which means he all the more reason why he understands the, the Bengals foibles That's over true. the years. He's totally since gonna, time immemorial. He's totally gonna do the same exact quote as Baker. If there's anyone who could turn around that franchise, it's me. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera. We're gonna go down that whole road. Yeah. Um But if the Bengals fall in love with Herbert and become amenable to the three ones for the number one overall pick <laughs> and and Joe Brady can work with his bay. Yeah, it's not happening. It would be awesome, though. It would be. Um, Carolina okay. on OBJ. Carolina needs some sizzle. So he he just got too drunk, started doing dumb stuff. But now I don't know if you just saw this. Just coming down the wire. It's hot. The New Orleans Police Department has issued an arrest warrant for Odell Beckham on a complaint of simple battery. Did he fight someone? No, he did not. He simply gave a cop a little tap on the tush. And it's caught on video, right? And it is on video on on someone's Instagram story in the locker room. Oh, this was in the locker room? Yes. Yeah, right yeah. there. Give me an effing break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Although that's, a, that's, not, that's not a... Odell? On the arrest warrant. <laughs> this, is, this, this comes on the heels of the cop... First of all, what was he doing? What was he doing in the locker room? In this video, you see him. He's like questioning one of the players about like what's in a water bottle. Absurd. Then they told all the LSU players, anyone who is smoking cigars in here is subject to arrest. Give me an effing break. And now, after the video surfaces and it becomes public, the cop sees a little chance here to get some money. And is now, you know, wanting to quabble with Odell Beckham Jr. When in the moment, he didn't even react. Mm. Uh, he turns around and looks at him. Well, be- yeah. When he gets slapped. But he easily could have said right then, I'm arresting you for simple battery. Looks right. like he's, he looks like he's talking to him. But, yeah, he could have said right then and there, hands off. and you know. Look, again, I'm not defending what OBJ did. You shouldn't touch people without their, you know, without their consent. Um but I, I just see the steps of this and how it's happening, and it, I don't like it. Well, this I think is, it, and all the New Orleans Police Department is doing is making themselves look really bad well, right now. And also, let's talk about OBJ because I know there have been some commenters over the last couple of months who've suggested, hey, maybe the Broncos could trade for OBJ. No. 
No. OBJ is on a. Uh, you think he's Patch- starting the uh, the the Antonio Brown um, road? And he's do you going think, down Brown Road? And do you think Pat Shermer wants to work with OBJ again? Definitely not. Actually, when we said this originally, we said like, "Oh, this probably takes the OBJ to Denver rumors off the table." Yes. Okay, I just saw the video. No, what is? It wasn't a tap. He slaps him. I thought it was just you know going by and he's slapping. That's a fo- you know that's players. a fo- that's a standard football butt slap. But it's a cop. Well, I, I, I agree. Know. It's well, a, it's stupid. I'm watching There's, it again. I'm it watching it again. It is so stupid. What Here's I want is stupid. What I want is another angle on it because you know I don't need another. No, angle. No, let me explain. Why did he scope him out for? He, yeah. he looked him up and down. Odell? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. And then and after he's dancing in his face. Well, NFL Films years ago did a right, little seven-minute vignette <laughs> on the butt slap and proper butt slap technique. <laughs> and That's in pretty football, good by Odell. The, yeah, in football, the butt slap technique you you want to get the butt cheek and you want to <laughs> make sure you don't grab. That is considered an acceptable butt slap. But I'm looking at where OBJ's hands go- goes, and I'm not quite sure. It's possible instead of getting the butt cheek that he got somewhere between the butt cheeks, and maybe the cop took umbrage to that. <laughs> Crack I, is illegal. It, here, here's what <laughs> I, I do agree with you that, what is this, three days now removed, and OJ, OBJ's getting piled on. I do think they might have saw an opportunity to pile on him even more. Um, so that seems weird. If I was a cop and we saw this video and OBJ slaps him, the cop turns around, tackles him, and arrests him, I'd be like, okay. So that's that's my main point here is what OBJ was did was wrong. I'm not defending his actions. But the only reason that this is happening now is, one, because the video surfaced yesterday, and two, because there's a big – uh, OB anti OBJ campaign going on out yeah. there because I think the he's cop get realizes the, oh the, I can take advantage of this yeah. it's going to end up getting settled it's going you know and he's probably going to make a couple thousand dollars off of OBJ well how many scholarships is LSU going to lose because of this could you imagine if OBJ doing the doing the money stuff hurts LSU let me ask you this hadn't those players finished their eligibility they, they have played their last game they are no longer NCAA athletes yes but I think All of them? there's some videos of like juniors or sophomores not even taking money I mean this guy's giving what are they supposed to do they what they should do is suspend OBJ from going to LSU events. yes it should be the punishment should be on him it shouldn't be on LSU. What are they supposed to do? Like put their hands behind no. their back as a NFL yeah, star no. is trying to dap them up? With, like, no. Yeah. So that's – I would feel comfortable with that. Yeah, and I would like that. And, and if the NCAA wants to do that, if LSU wants to do that, I don't One care One year suspension yeah. from LSU events. Yep, I like it. Um, is that long enough? I think LSU may be like, you know what? You can kick this guy out for about 10 years or so. We're going to be fine. <laughs> well, then you're starting to um, like hurt your relationship with the NFL star. You don't want to do that stuff. Yeah, but you don't want to Steve Adazio it. No, <laughs> but he's not their biggest. I mean, it, he's a big star, but I think their alpha dog is about to be the number one overall pick as far as LSU players at the next level. And it's not like LSU doesn't have a fountain of players around the league anyway. Don't they have a guy whose last name is Fountain? <laughs> well, there's a, a... No, he was from... He's from Northern Iowa. Yeah. Reese Fountain, wide receiver. What, and there is also a guy from, like, CSU Pueblo, with, I feel like. Um, anyways, I'm not, what OBJ did was wrong. I just think they're capitalizing on 
uh, it seems like and now that there's a video everyone's gonna get upset about it and it's a it's a very piggybacking type thing again if he broke the law you're a cop yeah arrest him right then (laughs) and there (laughs) but then i guess uh someone might say well that would have caused a stir and maybe it wouldn't have been the right place to do that because everyone would have got upset. And it seemed like, like that cop was trying to cause a stir because be- right before OBJ slapped him in the video, I mean, this cop is really getting on a player for what's in a Gatorade bottle. And I think the players, from what I can tell, the player's like, yellow Gatorade? Yeah. I mean, again, what were the – just stay out of the way. Don't even go in the locker room. Uh, it'd, be we- it'd be one thing if this was Clemson that won. Because these are Louisiana cops. Oh, right. They should be turning a blind eye more than anyone. Let the kid, <laughs> let the kids party. But it started with the cigars thing. They're telling Joe Burrow he's going to get arrested. I mean, give me a Well, there's a fire code violation in the state I of Louisiana. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. If, if I'm the, just saying. If the Superdome catches on fire, put them all in jail. Go ahead. But They've the, already rebuilt the damn place in the last... 15 years i don't think they want to do it again yeah just give me a freaking break and i'm i'm sure they're going around like iding guys making sure they were over 18 if they were smoking cigars like huh just it makes they me, were they were smoking so it wasn't just as uh will the as will smith once sang for the look yeah i don't light it for some uh, they were getting jiggy with it all right. Na 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 na. What? <laughs> That's a Will Smith song. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But yeah, how but there's a there's there a lyric from... in there's a lyric in there about how he's got the cigar for the look. I don't bite it, or I don't oh, I don't light it. Gotcha. Sorry, gotcha. I don't light it. For the I don't look. light it. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, OBJ. I got jiggy with it in the 1990s. By the way. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see a video of that. <laughs> Fortunately, oh. it was pre-social media and pre-smartphones, so uh, those records are permanently sealed. All right. To just. OBJ, an idiot. This, a huge overreaction. As Baker would say, guy's an idiot. Guy's an idiot. <laughs> he probably believes that about Odell. Uh, before we go too far, shout out to Breckeridge Brewery. Shout out to the Colorado Core. Shout out to the Nitro Vanilla Porter. Oof. Whatever your choice is, Breck Brew has a, has a beer that will satisfy you beyond your belief. Uh, make sure you check them out. They support us. We support them. We're all a family. They're part of the family. It's a symbiotic relationship. You know what you can't do in the Superdome? Smoke cigars. And you probably can't be smoking anything you get from the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. But good thing is, in Colorado... You can check out the Green Solution. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online. And head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And make sure you use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right. Well, there are a lot of people that we need to speak to, and we must speak to them ASAP. (laughs) First one. Bronco in SF. If we get a wide receiver in the first round, probably Ruggs or Visca, and someone like Rieger or Hamler fall to us in round two, do we double up on wide receiver or go offensive tackle? I don't love taking two wide receivers in to start the draft, but adding two elite weapons would be a game changer with our new offense. Depends who's on the board offensive tackle. If you're telling me that, say, you've already taken receiver Prince Tega Wanogu from 
Auburn's on the board in round two and you need an offensive tackle, that's the direction I'm going in. And especially, you're going to be able to, if you get your wide receiver two in round one, you can find that other receiver for the room, potentially a slot receiver on day three. Some of the guys I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yeah, um, it does matter who's on the board. But I will say this, I do not dislike the idea of doubling up. I like an embarrassment of riches. I like the idea of one position group being dominant. You like what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing. Exactly. And here's the thing. We'll know if this is an option after free agency. If they get Sammy Watkins, this isn't an option. Let, if, me, ask, well, let me ask you guys this, though. If they did double up, would you prefer they double up on the offensive line or wide receiver to start the draft? Just where I – philosophically, it should absolutely be – offensive line but where this team is with wide receiver i go receiver i would prefer the receiver just because it's more fun for me <laughs> i'd prefer the o-line yeah I if mean, they I had to double that. up at one of those spots i'm going o-line but but then remember, you're but then but, you're receiving course Cortland sutton and list but this think of pure but, but no third. think of pure numbers here how many receivers are you playing at a time three three well, no three how many offensive linemen are you playing Five. There you go. How many? That's why you can rationalize a double up more on the offensive line than wide receiver because you have nearly twice as many spots to fill. Yeah, well, then let me ask you this. How many spots do you have to fill on the offensive line right now? Right now or like planning for 2021 as well? Right now. Because right now. Right now? Yep. Are you letting go of Connor McGovern? No. You're letting go of Ron Leary. This one uh, is interesting yeah, now. Yeah, it's interesting. I always thought the answer was yes, but it could be no now. I'm still letting go of him just because I don't, I don't know if he's going to hold up for another season. I mean, he was barely making it through last year. Okay, as it was. I'll, I'll give that to you. So Ron so, Leary, so, so there's one. So you're looking at one spot and potentially two. Okay. Because can you trust Jawan James to stay healthy? You have no choice. So yeah, I mean, for this year, he's your right tackle. But then you make sure you're. You're backstopped and ready to go with somebody who can step in immediately. Okay, so you have one and a half. Well, at receiver, you have two. Yeah. So there would be the counterpoint to the number argument. For the moment, but I'm talking about you're planning long-term, and again, receivers, you can, you, you can find quality all through the draft. So The truth is I'm okay with a receiving core of Cortland Sutton, Henry Ruggs, and Deshaun Hamilton. Like I feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, but the other thing is you have a generational – wide receiver class that could set you up to have a dominant group for the next 10 years. Cortland Sutton, LaVisca Chenault, and Jalen Rieger, or Cortland Sutton, Henry Ruggs, and K.J. Hamler. Like, though, that is a situation where you are saying this is a dominant group. Add in Noah Fant, and now you are – if everything goes to plan, you are on the, the Kansas City Chiefs Track. Part of what makes this generational is you're going to be able to get second round quality guys in round four and round five. And yeah. we could just go because of circles. how many. I mean, that's again like the f- f- first moment I walk in to the Shrine Game practice and I see the wide receivers going first. First drills, the first practice. I'm like, yeah, this group, it, this is as deep as advertised. Right. Right. Well, and and that's huge. There's quality. All through the draft at wide receiver. No, Ryan. That, that's what makes this generational. It's not just round one and two. It's in the, it's in a day three. There are plenty of guys. So Ryan, you would double up. You you would be open to wide receiver in the first and second. Would you be willing to triple up in probably a different way than you think? Lavisca's there. 
You already drafted Henry Ruggs. He's their early second. Would you be willing to trade up into early round two in order to get him? Or would that be too much? So unbelievably <laughs> willing. There's nothing yeah. I would be more willing to do than that. And let's say it costs you that second round pick and a third round pick to do it. Yeah. You still have two third round picks and that's yeah. your second round pick. Yep. Yep. So that'd be tripling up. I don't yeah, I I mean I would do it could too. You could you imagine? No. I mean, hello, the, Drew Locke. The dynamic ability that that offense would have. Pat Shermer could be pretty bad, and the offense could still be pretty darn good. If that happens, better hope that a Patrick Morris or Austin Schlopman. Or <laughs> yeah, but remember what everyone... I better hope Jawan James stays healthy. Yeah, the often, the people hope. who are so... And I'm not putting you in this boat, Mace, but the people who are so obsessed with offensive line are completely ignoring what happened with Drew Locke at the end of the season. Remember, these are the same people who are screaming like, you can't put Drew Locke in there. He's going to get killed behind an offensive line. You're going to ruin his life. He's going to die. In fact, there was someone <laughs> in the press room who said something very similar. Oh, you guys just want to throw out Drew Locke behind this offensive line? Yeah, it'll be your fault when he gets killed. <laughs> yeah. That was a real sentence said by a press member in the Denver Broncos press room to me and Zach. I'm not just talking about pass pro. I want to run the ball better. Oh, hold on. So... It's not as if sentence. all of a sudden Drew Locke is going to get killed behind the offensive line when he had one of the lowest sack rates by a rookie ever in a five-game sample. Well, I think they also schemed to have him get the ball out quicker as well and to protect him a bit. And if you want to expand the breadth and depth of what Drew Locke does, he's going to have to hold the ball a little bit longer. He's going to have to wait for guys to go downfield, especially if Vic Fangio wants to vertically push it down the field. And that means you're going to need blockers who can hold up for a little bit longer in pass pro. Yeah, I'm not saying you never need to address the offensive line. I'm just saying it's not as if if you don't draft offensive line, Drew Locke's career is ruined. Right. We've already seen he can survive behind Jake Rogers, Patrick Morris, and Austin Schlotman. It's true. When Jake Rogers was in there, who were they playing? Detroit? Yeah. Again, I, yeah. All, I'm, all I'm saying is that it's not – it's not like there's so many people who are like, yeah, good luck getting the ball to those wide receivers with no offensive linemen. It's like, well, how did how did they do it this year? And don't forget, you're gonna one. you're gonna have everybody that goes against the Broncos dissecting the tape of the last five games and dissecting Drew Locke to within an inch of his life. Oh yeah, and and that's and the false positives that Vic Fangio speaks of. Some of those come from the fact that in the ensuing off season. They go through the tape. They figure out. They figure out where a quarterback is weakest, and they adapt their game plans accordingly. And then you have to find out what the counter move is going to be, and that determines whether the young quarterback will be successful or not. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna have to deal with like ESPN ranking the Broncos' quarterback situation twenty seventh in the oh, league right. and garbage like that. Yeah, pa Project Pat eight oh one. Hey guys. Wish Mace was around for this comment. Well, I'm here. Your wishes are <laughs> Yeah. But I also want to ask you guys. RK keeps talking about wanting to back the Brinks truck up for a dominant defensive tackle in free agency. And I don't disagree because they are super hard to find. However, corner is critical in this past happy league, especially going against Mahomes twice a year and Strap leaving. So the question comes down to defensive tackle or cornerback in free agency, and how do you guys see solving both? We don't really have that kind of cash to do both and address oh, the O-line yes. or Am I wrong? Yes, they do. 
Also, shout out to Breck Brews. I finally found some Strawberry Sky down here in Happy Valley, Utah County. Hashtag damn good beer. That's an interesting question. Like, where where are you shopping at the super premium market, and where are you maybe going for a guy who's second tier? You can get all guys super premium market. So you can get both Byron Jones and Chris Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and re-sign Justin Simmons. Oh, yeah. And Derek Wolf. Let's see. I'm adding that up here. Let's see. Justin would be about 14. Chris Jones is going to be what? Say 17 million a 20. year? 20. We'll call it 20. Let's call it. it might not even 34. Be Byron Jones is going to be what? 15 million a year? Yeah, sure. Uh, probably less, but yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so let's say 40. That's 45 million. Derek Wolf is, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's say, six and a half million. So $51.5 million. Oh, look at that. You still have 30 left over. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, you can, you, can, you can really get luxurious in this free agent market. Can I trade Garrett Bowles and sign Anthony Costanzo if Costanzo wants to play? Yep. <laughs> Did you know, Maze, you probably knew this. Did you know that Costanzo's a Rhodes Scholar? Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the things when I talk about, like Tyler Biotish, for example, I like my offensive lineman smart. You know, I was watching the... When this I was, guy's really He might smart. be a little too... Sometimes you can be too smart well, and realize okay. that you need to get the hell out of football. <laughs> Last night, when I was flying back, I, I watched uh, NFL Network on the Southwest Airlines Wi-Fi, and they were airing the Jimmy Johnson Football Life episode. It's one of the better ones, because part of it, Jimmy Johnson and Bill Belichick are out on Johnson's fishing boat with Bill Belichick's girlfriend, but they're kind of they're talking football, and one of the things that Jimmy Johnson says is, "I never, you know, went in. I never went wrong drafting a smart guy. Like all the mis- all the mistakes that we made were because we drafted got we brought in guys who weren't smart, who and couldn't handle the mental side of it. That's very easily traceable and and provable for a lot of teams. Yes. <laughs> yep. Which. And I'm I not saying, and I'm not saying one rely on the Wonderlick test, but I am saying rely, you know, when you talk to them, figure out what they can process, what they what they can handle. And the other thing, and this is something that I look at when I go down to the Shrine and the Senior Bowl, I mentioned earlier, what can they do to improve over the course of the week? Because if they do improve, that shows that not only can they receive teaching, but they can mentally apply it to what they do physically. And that's something that you're really looking for because it's, you know, a guy can hear the coaching and say, all right, coach, I get it, I get it, I get it, and then go out there and does the same thing because he can't make what he hears translate to what his body does. Here's an interesting question, and I don't want to go too deep into this. I just want to see what you guys think. What do you think the first question Drew Locke had about Pat Shermer was? John Elway calls him, says, hey, Drew, we're thinking of making a change at offensive coordinator. We got Pat Shermer. He runs a very quarterback-friendly offense, this, this, that, this, the other thing. What do you think Drew Locke's first question was? Daniel Jones? Really? <laughs> well, apparently Pat Shermer was on Daniel Jones long long before Dave Gettleman was. Yep. Oh, I don't want to yep. – I just want to pretend like that <laughs> didn't happen. Uh, my question is, if I'm Drew Locke, I'd say, okay, I know Pat Shermer has some background on the West Coast offense. Yeah, John's probably already unloaded the bio. Right. Are, 
Well, I'd say, okay, are we keeping the same nomenclature? Are we going to tweak it a bit? That's what I That's my too. first question. And from all indications and everything in Pat Shermer's background, they'll, they'll change offensive points of emphasis, but I don't think they're going to change the nomenclature. That's yep. so I, I thought I'm surprised we all came to the same thing. That's exactly what I thought. Because I think Drew put so much work into trying to learn that part of the offense. I think it would have driven him crazy mm-hmm. if he said, oh, uh, yeah, it's good. there's a whole new language you're going to have to learn here. So uh, enjoy the beach. But as soon as you get home, you know, better get back in the mirror and start rattling off play calls. <laughs> right. Unless there's a way that you can take that language and, and get it down to the three or four word play calls. Yeah, I think if it got easier, I mentioned this uh, yesterday to Zach, I think if it got easier, it would have been like studying for the test that you never had to take. Mm-hmm. But as long as it's not totally different, I think that's the most important thing here. And it is a West Coast tree offense, so I think it will be similar. Yeah, I agree. Now, you so- never hear Patrick Mahomes talking about, oh, it was a big transition for me learning how to nope. call these plays. Nope, you didn't at all. No. Next one from Andrew Karachi. Hey, some you can try the next time you make Kraft Mac and Cheese. Make the mac and cheese as normal. And when it's time to add the cheese, do that and add murked port cheese. Port port wine wine cheese. cheese. It's cheesy goodness. Murked is a creamy or a cheese company in Wisconsin that specializes in cheese spread products. It's fantastic magical. Very close. Fantastic majorical. Oh, okay. Is that a word? (laughs) I think it's a mix of fantastic, fantastic. magical, and... And the, if it was, though, would the, there would be a G, not a J, in majorical. Yeah, so it wasn't my fault. Okay, guys. Majorical? That's interesting because, of course, I have a seven-year-old, and one of her favorite dishes in the world is Kraft macaroni and cheese. We make that probably once a week at our house. And she, when I reheat it, because inevitably, like, one box will be too much, and she'll have it over the course of a couple of meals. When I reheat it, I put extra cheese and extra milk in there because she likes it nice and creamy. But, you know, I may have to try that. Now, I haven't seen Merked Port wine cheese. I have seen Calcutta. They have that at most grocery stores around here. What kind of consi- – is it you take it out with a spoon? It's a, a knife. It's a cheese spread. Okay. So you well, spread so, it on oh, crackers. Wow. I don't use knives to spread things. <laughs> Why not? Because the back of a spoon is more effective. Wow. Okay. I'll Interesting. Try that. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's a steadfast. I'll die on this hill. <laughs> like peanut butter. I'm making a PB and J. Take a spoon. Use the back of it to spread the peanut butter, and then use the front of it to scoop out the jelly. Okay. A, you know what? On peanut butter, I use a spoon. But you got to use the back of the spoon because if you use right. the front of the spoon, then a bunch gets stuck. In but the inevitably, room. I have to get like a knife out because I have to get the spoon because some of the peanut butter ends up on the front on on the under the front of the spoon, and you have to kind of get it out to make sure you you're not wasting peanut butter. Yeah, uh, it doesn't work as well with butter, um, so I'll use a I'll use a knife for butter. So and and I think and this cheese spread is kind of more the consistency of butter. Okay, so, so it, might, it might be a knife type of thing. Well, Mace, for an extra treat for your daughter, instead of doing milk or cream, just go with uh, strawberry milk to mix in with the mac and cheese, as we found out yesterday. So that was a suggestion to the us. Okay, I'll tell you a story and why I wouldn't do that. Um, I was making... Because it sounds gross. I was making Uncle Ben's rice uh, once, and the recipe called for milk. I didn't have any milk as part of cooking it. So... I chose to. I, I found some 
apricot yogurt. Oh, God. <laughs> and oh, I mixed it goodness. in. That's so gross. <laughs> and it was disgusting. <laughs> I bet it was. I so I don't imagine. think fruit. I don't think if you're adding uh, some, something strawberry in place of regular milk, I don't think this is going to work at all. No, it won't. Um, I will say, uh, first of all, I don't mess with Kraft mac and cheese. Annie's mac and cheese is so much better. Oh, without a doubt. We tried that. My daughter said she likes Kraft better. Well, I can understand how a seven-year-old might feel that way. Um, Annie's white cheddar, best mac and cheese in a box you can buy. There's, It's not even a competition. Would agree. Next one here from Manhattan Beach Bronco. Hey, guys. First off, I wanted to thank you for such a great regular season of content. I've been so busy with work, and the DNVR family is so dedicated that even though I haven't been able to comment on the pods at all, my fellow listeners have helped me by coincidentally asking y'all precisely what's on my mind. So thank you to the regular big guns like Mr. Freeze, The Count, and others. I used to go under the name Tokyo Bronco, but I've recently made the uh, move back to U.S. for my work. Welcome back. I'm excited for this move because I will uh, be able to hopefully catch a game at the new stadium. And I believe he's referring to so far. Empower Field as the new stadium. Oh. Well, I don't know because he's in Manhattan Beach, L.A. I think he's talking oh, so far. okay. I thought he was like, he's been away for so long that Empower Field is a new <laughs> stadium to him. And if not, I'll at least be able to watch a game or two on a Sunday, not at 4 a.m. or on a Monday morning. I'll be going. I'll still be going to Japan for work a few times a year, though. So I think that's the best of both worlds. Before I hop off, I want to chime in quickly on a few off-season topics. One of the many things I miss most about living in Japan are the steamed buns at the convenience store. They have tons of flavors uh, beyond meat and vegetable fillings, like you'd find at an Asian restaurant in the U.S. Curry and cheese, pizza, and sweet red bean became some of my favorites, and took a leap into the unknown to even discover oh my gosh those sound amazing yes they yes. do i wanted to bring this up because i feel like the steamed bun is asia's version of the hot pocket and the toaster strudel <laughs> being that you can get them in any meal and go sweet or savory thoughts well you already have the asian hot pocket what is it the egg roll mm. Mm. and you can't have two well it's this the egg roll is enclosed it's much more hot pocket-esque a steamed bun at, at least as i know it is right. more like a hot dog, and it would be, uh, it would be smushy, kind of, right? Is how I imagine the it. softness of the yeah. bun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's a, it's on the same line. I think of it more as like a an Asian taco. Right. Yeah, with a bun. Yeah. Mace, by the way, we figured out what classifies a sandwich. I saw that, but yeah, I saw the definition. No, it. I am. Hold on. What do you think it is? It has to have two slices of bread. No, 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 no. no, no, that's, no, no. That's I, I saw this. Someone simple. saying the second definition. I'm sorry, it's wrong. You're still. Not. You have to have standards, <laughs> and that's what we found out. Mace. We 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 developed the standards. We know what no, the, you're moving the line. No, you don't no, even no, know no, what no, we're gonna say. <laughs> the difference between a hot dog and a sandwich is the angle at which you eat it at. A sandwich, your hand always goes on top of the bread and below the bread. A hot dog, you turn it to the side. So it's not about anything other than the angle. You can't eat a hot dog the way you eat a sandwich or your hands would be covered in ketchup and mustard. And you certainly don't eat a sandwich the way you eat a hot dog. Okay, so how does a sub sandwich qualify? A sub sandwich is you eat it the same way. Ate, is eaten at that angle. If you eat, ate it like a hot dog, it would be weird. You'd ha have, be having to wrap your mouth around <laughs> way too much. I eat sub sandwiches from one end. I eat it like a hot dog. 
I don't think you're, well, no, you're yeah, understanding. It's, it's, it's okay. Hot dogs. Okay. Think of this. Here's your sub sandwich. You got bread on the bottom, right? There's a hinge right here and there's bread on top. Your hand goes like this <laughs> around it, like a C. You don't eat it like a U. And you eat a hot dog like a U. You eat a hot dog with a U shape of your hand. That's the difference. With it's the, the open, C and the, the U. open side. Right. Yeah. A hot dog is open to the sky. A sandwich is We're open on to your the side, side here. I know, but I'm just thinking like how I eat a hot dog and my and I've you do No, not you, eat don't. you don't. You don't eat it. The way you're shaping that your hand is in ketchup right now. I'm, I've I've held hot dogs like this. No, It'll, you haven't. The the ketchup will be all over the floor. I squeeze them. I like to get everything kind of in. And I have You and eat yeah, a hot dog efficient, but you put you're saying you put your fingers into the toppings. Uh, 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 uh. Well, no, I'm saying like what happens is I have the opening here and I have some stuff falling out on the side. I have the opening. Why? <laughs> you just admitted stuff is uh, falling out. You say you do that with tacos too? Uh, right. No, I don't do that with tacos. <laughs> we're, uh, we're helping your case here. Uh, all right. Because we just, we just showed how a sub sandwich is a sandwich, not a hot dog. We were trying to think about the angle yesterday. It's really about the shape of your hand. Yep. Do you eat it with a C or a U? It's a classic CU dilemma. <laughs> it's like you got U throwers. Maybe and this C is why you thought of it because it's the CU thing. Maybe, but all it's I know is that's, that is the answer. Yep, a hundred percent. Yep. We figured. only thing you eat with U's are hot dogs and tacos. Okay, I may have to mm. go. Uh, I may go for a, a hot dog or a sausage sandwich or some or like a, a bratwurst or something for lunch today. And I'll let you know. And just I, don't think about it. Just let it come naturally. Yeah, I, I'm just gonna eat. And honestly, <laughs> if you're gonna eat it with a C hand. Take a video so we can see it because it'll be the most <laughs> absurd thing I've ever seen. But then again, like bratwurst, I eat with a C because I don't put anything on bratwurst. I just it's straight. You aren't putting your hand on top of. I it. don't put the only thing I ever put on bratwurst is Secret Stadium sauce from Milwaukee Brewers games. But you, I still know you're not eating it with your hand on top. Okay. All right. Anyway, as we move on. Well, I'm saying no. I'm eating it. My hand is on the bun. But the it's open on the side. So I, he's risking his. I'm risking his my toppings. Piece of meat falling out. No, I'm Why risking my toppings that? falling out. Why? <laughs> I'm weird. I need to see a video of this. Anyway, maybe at lunch we'll get a video. Next one coming in from Chicago Bronco eighty six. Hey guys, just wanted to clarify. I wasn't saying the Heisman should be a knock on him. I was just pointing out that his incredible season doesn't mean he's going to light up the NFL. Though it doesn't mean he won't. Yeah, we agree on that. Yep. Yeah. Another way to look at it. All the time, college is all-time college pass rating. In the top 10 are Burrow, Tua, Baker, and Kyler, as well as Russell Wilson. However, most of the top 100 of all-time never made it in the NFL, and many of the greatest NFL QBs aren't even on that list at all. The point I was trying to make is you have some solid info on Locke as a pro now, and because of how tough predicting NFL success of college quarterbacks is, I would hesitate to give up the known for the unknown of Burrow. As for the possible knocks on Burrow, we may look back uh, on, I would point to his extremely underwhelming career before being placed in a fantastic scheme with an incredibly talented surrounding cast. That's what we said yesterday. He hasn't proven yet that he can elevate players around him and bridge the gap against a more talented opponent. I know this all makes me sound like a Burrow hater, but I actually think he'll be good. I just wanted to make the point in support of Ryan's possible possibly preferring the bird in the hand with Locke. There's something to the idea Locke has at least a better floor at this point. Agree. From York, Hawk. Well, he doesn't have a sp- he doesn't have space in there, so maybe it's your calc. Oh, your calc. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> From York, 
Hawk. Hello, gents. <laughs> York Hawk coming in fast and hard with rapid fire questions. Oh, God. Wow, this is a family show. One, with the fact that incorrectly spelled Shermer has only mediocre quarterbacks, do you think you would want to keep Flacco on the books as QB2? This is one of those takes that we need to put on the note card. No. No. No, 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 no. No, no Flacco, no Keenum. No. Better not be. Two, if we don't clear Flacco off the books, and please correct me if I took it wrong, but the accounting is the same on the back end. With a restructured contract, do you just keep him as QB2 instead of looking and paying more since he's already due? No, you you confused it. No, and You have to take him off the books for the accounting to be the same. <laughs> yes. Right, and you have $13 million of dead money, but you're carrying over $14 million in cap space. Right, but this if coming you year keep and, him on the roster, you're going to have right. to pay him $20 million extra. Right. Yep. You're not doing that. He's You move on, and, and you save $10 million on the cap, and then you spend $5 million on a veteran backup quarterback, and you've still saved $5 million in the process. Don't This, this doesn't need to be hard. Look, there's a nice cabana set up for Joe Flacco on the surface of the sun. Uh, threes for Mr. B. Four, what is your one true guilty pleasure food? So easy for me. Taco Bell, 10 times out of 10. Can just ice cream be one? Yeah. Yeah, I love ice cream. I'd have to say ice cream and, I mean, it's, it's you know, totally simple, but I'm you give me a bag of Doritos and I'll have a good lunch. See, I think your guys' <laughs> aren't guilty enough. Oh. Those are rites of passage in life. Okay. You okay. should have chips and you should have ice cream in your life. Mm. You definitely don't need Taco Bell in your life. Mm. Right. Something fried. Yeah. What's some, the best Something fried that like thing? actually you can feel afterwards. I just <laughs> ate something really <laughs> right. bad. Right. Uh probably it's probably a burger from my brother's bar with three cheeses on it. I still don't think you can you're live gu- with you're, that. You're not getting guilty enough. Okay, give me some, give, give me some fried options of guilt. Um French fries. Still what? too normalized. I'm thinking like something that's a chicken thing that's like ultra fried. I mean, I guess you could say like fried. Like what about like Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Chicken tenders? No. <laughs> jelly jelly donuts. <laughs> Okay, now you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Donuts. Zach doesn't eat guilty food. I'm trying. Oh, I'll come back with one. It's evident. Yeah. <laughs> oh, e- either oh, you've about- got the greatest metabolism known to man, or you just don't <laughs> eat guilty pleasure foods. How about this? Uh, the cream cheese pizza from Crazy Carl's. Is that? Nope. No, I'm not getting there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll keep thinking. <laughs> it needs to be something that is objectively... Hurt, taking years off your life when you eat it. I do like Taco Bell. All right, then there it is. I have Taco Bell once a year. Oh, wow. On a certain I, day? I, well, I have Taco Bell sober once a year. It's usually during training camp when I don't, when the family's up in Wisconsin or something and I just don't have time to eat anything else for dinner. But I used to eat Taco Bell weekly. There's nothing I crave more than Taco Bell. It's a terrible disease. Gosh, but they took my favorite so item off the menu many years ago. Which was? The beef Mexi melt. Oh. Uh, it was. If you ask the right person, they'll make it, it for you. It was ground beef, <laughs> cheese, onions, and tomatoes. And they just, st- and you just put it in a tortilla and kind of wrapped it up. And kind of like, it was like a small burrito almost. Mm-hmm. And, but they would do like all the, th- everything melted together. I actually make these sometimes at home. 
It's tremendous. It's pretty amazing how they have like seven ingredients in their entire restaurant, and they, they have a menu it. of like one hundred things. Yep, bunch of different ways to make the same oh, thing. So God, you're killing me now. Taco I, Bell sounds so good. Imagine being on keto. I can't do it. <sighs> what could you get? Nothing. No. Could ask for like a, a bowl of their yeah. It'd have to be in a bowl. <laughs> which you definitely don't want to eat their ingredients no, without all the other stuff. No. <laughs> it's kind of like um, the sum of the parts is greater than oh, yes. the parts themselves. That is true. That is true. <laughs> okay. Um, next one is from. No, 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 no. We got more. Oh, sorry. We got number five. What is the oh, most right. you've ever spent on a meal? What is the most you're willing to spend on a meal? For one person or two or three? I'm, I'm thinking for two here since we all have significant others. Um, probably like 200. I spent 300 on a meal over at uh, Morimoto in Cherry Creek Sushi Place. Mm. Sushi, you can get crazy. That's why you just gotta go the all-you-can-eat sushi route. Save yourself some money. I would probably say just a hundred for two people. Yeah, I think it was sushi. You're gonna have to step up the uh, anniversary. Uh, You guys, you guys didn't drink at the meal, did you? That's another thing. You Uh, you start adding some wine. You start adding some cocktails, and all of a sudden, the the bill spikes. Yep. Yeah, that got me. um, Just this last weekend, (laughs) went out to dinner, uh, and we just started having drinks just having a good conversation after dinner and all of a sudden the bill came and we were like <laughs> yeah. oh man what have we done <laughs> uh can i give those back now yeah uh what's the most you're willing willing to spend i think it's the same worst thing you've eaten i read this earlier this morning and i nothing is coming to my mind yet i have one i have two uh in china i ate two things first one was gross it tasted awful it was a flower we were served flowers i don't remember what type of flower but you ate flower petals and it was it was terrible like just it just tasted like you were eating a plant type of not, thing no or not even i don't even remember how bad it would what it tasted like it was just so so bad and then also in china it wasn't actually gross but cow tongue soup maybe oh. that maybe the most bizarre one. okay you got uh, you helped me out here <laughs> one time uh i was I was like really young and I went to like my grandma's country club. She like lived in uh, Florida, like most old people (laughs) and at her country club, they had like one of those sandwich things where you just like go up and you tell them what you want on the sandwich. They make it for you. She told me like, you'll love this (laughs) tongue. You have to try it. And I really, really did not like (laughs) the um, texture and I've actually had it cooked which isn't bad, but it was just like sliced like deli meat, and mm. it was really, really disgusting. I bet. I bet. Beef cheek. Another texture thing. Is that from it's the very, mouth? very like overly soft. Yeah. Um, blood pudding in England. Uh, yes, we've banned <laughs> that from being brought up on this podcast. Well, if the Broncos play in London, it might have to come back up. Oh, boy. Oh, we might have to take the blood pudding challenge in London. I'll try anything. I've said it once. I'll <laughs> say it a million times. But it's not very good. I'm going to warn you right here. Oh, boy. Thanks. You'd rather have spotted dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. 
seven is for Elway. Eight, Rock of Love is greater than The Bachelor because Hulu released the unedited content and it is hilarious to hear and see and everything. I think that's the Brett Michaels one. Okay. I think. Yeah, I have no idea. You would know better than me. Thanks and keep up the good work. Ethan Rosier. After hearing about strawberry mac and cheese, it was then I decided to subscribe since you guys talk about the important things in life. You never know what's going to get them. <laughs> I saw that Byron Jones is going to try and be on another team next season, but will definitely want some cash. How much would you pay for him to play in Denver? If Chris Harris has a change of heart and does play for us, would you still want him or spend elsewhere? Can't wait for the offseason to start with all the money we have. It is time to let the money rain down. I would like that, but it's not. It's probably not in the cards. Well, you could do it. You definitely could. I don't think the Broncos would. So, who are you taking? Chris at 12 or Byron at 14? How old is Byron Jones? It's a good question. I th- thought he was late 20s. Let me 27 look. 27 or 28. Byron Jones. It's loading. We're getting there. Oh, he was born in the same year as me. He's 27. Well. Yep. Turns I- 28 in September. So, 14 for Byron? So, I mean, he is definitely in his prime. He's also 27 for sure in his prime. <laughs> Born in New Britain, Connecticut, or as they would say there, New Britain. New Britain. Hard-hitting New Britain. Yeah, hard-hitting New Britain. I had New a friend Britain. who went to Central Connecticut State, I think, yes, is in there. the Blue yep. Devils right there. She told me all about hard-hitting New Britain. <laughs> I, yeah, I used to go to watch basketball games there when I lived in that part of Connecticut. Shout out to Allison Porter. She now works for ESPN. <laughs> and paid off being in Connecticut. Right? You know what they'd say when it was tip-off for Central Connecticut games? You're on Central time. Oh, wow. but they were actually on East time, which is highly confusing. <laughs> I saw there was a headline, I think, that had Central time in it once, and I thought, hey, that's catchy. Uh, give me Byron Jones. I love Chris. I think it's just it would be better to get a fresh start for everyone. I agree. And you get the younger guy. That's what, yeah, I mean, that was a, a big. So, yeah, Byron Jones, <laughs> born and raised. part of why we looked that up. Byron Jones, born and raised in Connecticut, <laughs> went to a high school in Bristol, Connecticut, home of ESPN, mm-hmm. and then went to UConn after that. He wants to go play for the Connecticut Cougars. Mm, yeah, what's the closest team to Connecticut? New York. Uh, depends what part of uh, Connecticut. New Britain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you're talking about the facility location, Patriots. Uh, no wonder. <laughs> Next one, speaking of parts of the country, Southern Steve chimes in. Hey, guys and gals, you've been talking a lot about the offense since the firing hiring, but how about the defense? Huh? I'm very concerned about our corners and hope that we can find a good one in the draft in the third or fourth round. No, no third round corners. No, no, no. Also, Isaiah Simmons really impressed me in the championship game. Do you think that we would pick him up if he fell to 15th pick? Thanks for your breakfast tips, but I will pass on the strawberry mac and cheese. Fair enough. I don't think the Broncos would take Isaiah Simmons if he fell to 15. And him falling to 15 would be a big fall. And I still don't think they would Something do Something would be wrong if yes. he fell to 15. He won't fall. I don't think he will either. And I just – I'm convinced that one of the things that John Elway and Vic Fangio uh, agreed on is that you don't have to spend high draft picks on linebackers. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Look what they did with Alexander Johnson. Oh, and look what they did with Devin Bush. Right. He was there for the taking. And Vic said, now I'm good. In fact, don't give me anyone. <laughs> yes. 
that changed quickly from going to get me multiple guys to none. Well, I think the thing is with Vic Fangio, his standard for linebackers is so high. So if he's going to take a linebacker in the first round, it's got to be like it's got to be the second coming. It's got to be Ro- well, like Ro- I think Roquan I Smith, but he didn't like the linebackers last year because none of them compared well to Roquan Smith in Chicago. I think Isaiah Simmons compares favorably. Give me Isaiah Simmons over Roquan. Yeah. I don't know if that's crazy. The intro, the thing with Isaiah Simmons, I think you'd find ways to make him work, but part of the equation is that other guys sometimes have to move around because you're moving Isaiah Simmons back into the secondary. You're moving him forward. You're playing him all over the place. I, I can't Everyone believe. has to be versatile if you have Isaiah Simmons because the best way to maximize him is to have him in multiple spots. Right. I think kind of, not in a much lesser degree, I think they were trying to turn Justin Hollins into an Isaiah Simmons type. Mm, yeah. And Isaiah right. Simmons is just like the 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 finished product of that, right? A guy yeah. who can play almost everywhere. Now it's not as extreme with with Hollins, but still. Uh, moving on from Count. Oh, there you go, Mace. Count Lockyer. Just a question for another DNVR family member. Aren't all socks vertical? Vertical socks. But what a horizontal sock look like? Is that just a sleeping bag? I know you are referring to the stripes. Just saying. Love the count. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, maybe oh. a sleeping bag for your foot. A horizontal sock is used for something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, depending on your per- on your perspective, wouldn't it be vertical? <laughs> like, are maybe, you maybe are you up, are you upright or are you prone? Uh, I'd be at 45 degrees as right now. <laughs> oh, wow. Speaking of the lock, he just chimed in on Twitter with us and said, an omelet is the best breakfast food for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Destroys PB&J. No, you are missing the point here. <laughs> if you eat an omelet for lunch, you are eating breakfast for lunch. Yes, I, and I think most everyone would agree. And breakfast for lunch and brec- breakfast for dinner are both awesome. Yes, but the question was, what's something that you can eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it it isn't categorized in any of the three? We came up with PB&J. You can have PB&J for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're not eating one thing for the other. Fried egg sandwich. Egg is involved. Egg is dinner is breakfast. In our house, well, on our house, fried egg sandwich was considered a lunch item, always. Fried. Oh. So Allie just mentioned a burrito, and that came up in the. She kind of stole the thunder of someone else who commented this. <laughs> Um, this is an interesting point, but you have to change the burrito yeah, for what you're... it's not the same food. PB&J never changes no matter when you eat it. Mm, unless you're changing the jelly flavor. I guess. <laughs> or you get that chocolatey peanut butter. Right, or chunky at night. Chunky would be more of a nighttime thing. No, there's never a time for chunky peanut butter. Never. I like them both. I, I like, like them both, both, too. No, no. You end up getting the bits of the... The bits of the peanut stuck in your teeth and all that. No, no, no. You, it's, it's, you go s- smooth every time. But then what happens? I would never if you're... buy crunchy peanut butter. But if someone had crunchy peanut butter, I would never even think twice. About I mean, eating I, it. I, I would use it if it were there. We've bought it by mistake, and I've used it, but I haven't liked it. What happens if your bread has no <laughs> seeds or nuts? Your jelly is like just so Pureed. pure, yeah. And then your your it's creamy peanut butter. Then it's literally like. It's mush. Nope. No, it's amazing. That's kind of the point of PB and J. It's never going to be texturized. So you, it's ugh. just the. Th- I mean, it's, I'd still eat that. Now it's what, very, very. Do good. you put peanut butter on both slices of bread or just one? No, just, just one. one. Oh, oh, 
You're but I one. lay down a thick layer. <laughs> you are letting one of the great joys in life pass you by if you don't put it on both on both slices of bread. And then jelly in the middle. Yes. Oh, so extra that's, jelly in the middle because of yeah, that? that that's that's the what I learned from my dad. My dad is a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast, and that's how he always made it, and that's where I got it yeah, from. Yeah, that sounds good. What about if you did that and then you put it on a panini maker? Now you kind of could it? create a PB and J hot pocket, or oh, oh, and make it like an uncrustable where you smush the sides down. Then it really isn't a hot pocket, right? Or yeah, what? You got yeah. to make sure the sides are enforced so it doesn't start going everywhere. Right. Or have you ever had a peanut butter and banana sandwich that's fried, like Elvis Presley? That was his favorite sandwich. <laughs> I wonder I didn't why know he it was died. So well, yeah, you put but basically you put PB and J on it, and then you put a little butter on the outside of slices of the bread, and then you put it on the griddle and then you turn it over and then but what if you tried that with peanut butter and jelly you fried the peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah that'd be great um <laughs> i also i i don't often buy bananas anymore but i love a good peanut butter banana honey Ooh, yeah that's yeah, good that's a good one all right next one is also a mace reader. yes onion booty bronco mace of house andrew I am not one for slander campaigns, but in response to your tweet about Hall of Fame president and Shrek impersonator David Baker <laughs> muttering nonsense, and in light of the most recent Randy Gratishar snub-a-dub in the tub-a-dub, I'm compelled to disclose, disclose that multiple very reliable sources who work closely with Baker expressed to my, to my surprise pardon me, that the man is a lunatic in pious disguise, well-intending but tragically egotistical and incompatible with colleagues. Now, and I'm exaggerating, I can't stop seeing him as a caricature of the, caricature of the Yellow King from season one of True Detective. Burn after reading. You didn't hear it from me. And honestly, <laughs> onion booty. You know, David Baker, there are some non-savory things in his past. In 1988, was convicted of forging a $48,000 check. To try and run for Congress? Yes, he was r running as a Republican candidate for Congress. In the Arena Football League, he was the commissioner for about, I think, was 12 years. And it was one of those things where it was kind of clear that it was built on the house of cards, that the league would kind of expand to get those quick hits of expansion fee money, mm. but the teams weren't doing very well. The league filed for bankruptcy on his watch. Not good. So him and John Elway probably... Uh I'm Got not a fan of David Baker at all. And he gets up there and like you say like the uh, the pious disguise like I guess he there was a story uh he was interviewed for where he talked about uh you know his religious faith and, and all that and but getting up there he did this in on TV yesterday on NFL Network. I heard a radio interview once I landed and and he Talk, he started talking about how, oh, all these with these Hall of Famers, we learn stories that can make us better moms, better dads, better in our community, make maybe a better country. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, football is a self-important place, but this oh, is just freaking absurd. There's nothing more self-important than the Hall of Fame. That was one of the things that made me feel weird when I was there. Yeah. But yeah, I've always gotten this, this sense with David Baker that it's, a you know, he's a very good salesman, but... Uh, I don't trust the guy. Maybe he's like seven kids under a trench coat. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's not, you know, he, ha he has the warm and fuzzy reputation from going out and, you know, surprising Jimmy Johnson and, and surprising Bill Cower and from the knocks on the door. But uh, 
you start looking beneath the surface and of the past, and uh, it's and not too kids. savory. <laughs> um, by the way, he mentioned the Yellow King from season one of True Detective. <laughs> Best season of any television show ever, I'm convinced. They should have just stopped that. right then and there. Yep. After season one. There's nowhere to go but down. It was so good. It's like a, a eight-hour, I guess, each other. It's like an eight-hour movie that's the best movie ever. Mm, I'll have to watch. You have it's to. worth your time. I, I think mean, you've got like Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson in a TV show. I think I've watched the first ten minutes, and it was very... Oh, it's dark as hell. Eerie and creepy. Yes. Yeah, that's why I haven't watched it for the third time. I think, by the way, <laughs> speaking of McConaughey, I think we're due for some more Lincoln commercials. I'm a fan of those. They're so weird. I love them. I love it, too. But <laughs> they're almost leaning into his character in oh, True Detective hey. a little too much. And mm. True Detective was already a, an extreme lean into Matthew McConaughey's thing. <laughs> if, I could, if I could live anyone's life other than mine, probably be his. God, I want to watch True Detective again. It's so good. And I couldn't make it through more than two episodes of season two before I was like, this is not even the same show. It's bad. <laughs> Next one's from Crabtree's Chain. He says, long-time subscriber, first-time commenter. Hey. He mentions Tyrod Taylor as an option, then he later realizes that Tyrod is not a free agent. But then he says, also, all in on Visca, Sco. Quick off-season question. Who's your favorite non-Denver athletes? Ken Griffey Jr. was for me all the way. I named my dog after him. My other dog is named Champ. And as an absolute throwback, I actually named a cat Yakuba after Yakuba Diawara on the Nugs when I was little. And I very, very clearly remember Yakuba Diawara. Uh-huh. That's awesome. All right. He was one of George yeah. Carl's classics throw-ins to the lineup that, like, he, they just, he loved having a two-guard who wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it reminded him of him when he was a player back at North Carolina, and then on the fringe of the NBA for a couple of years. And I'm, I think he played the two. Maybe the maybe he was a three. But I just remember that like we always just had a giant offensive hole in the middle of the lineup. It's like Tory Craig now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe just, the, maybe George Carl loving guys like that is Gary is like Gary Kubiak loving the Trevor Simeons because could be. wanting someone to have the success. As an I mean, off-the-radar quarterback that he couldn't quite find. He was obsessed with Andre Miller, even he was way past his prime. And I, I like Andre Miller, you know, as much as the next guy. Uh, Anthony Carter cost us a trip to the finals because uh, because George Carl was so into him. So I think there is something for just below-average <laughs> yeah. guards that yeah. he really loved. Yeah. So your favorite ever non-Denver athletes. Well, I'll just go through my youth. Basketball, Michael Jordan. Baseball, Dale Murphy. Football, Doug Williams. Okay, I wasn't wow. going to go through everything. For me, it just instantly came to my mind. Randy Moss. I was obsessed with Randy Moss when I was a kid. I'm going to go current. Russell Westbrook. Ugh. <laughs> Did you see him last night? They're down 14. They're getting their tails whipped by the Blazers, and he's trying to tell Damian Lillard about how he can't guard him. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, if he can't guard you, then go score more and win the game. He did have a 30-point triple-double shooting 50%. doesn't matter. It's pretty darn good. If he can't guard you, then go score every time <laughs> and win the game. Actually, I think an interesting, interesting question is just, which is your favorite athletes that aren't with your favorite teams? Because like, I could say a non-Denver athlete, and it's a no big deal because no Denver team is like my favorite team. But like I, and it's weird to say it this week because there's so much scandal regarding this team. I love Jose Altuve on the Astros. Hmm. I don't need any more. 
Yeah. I can't cheer for anyone. You know, I said this on individually. I mean, you guys separate the art from the art, the artist from the artist around him. I guess you could say. No, yeah, he was involved. Yeah, everyone was involved. Yeah. Here's the thing that really pisses me off: when those guys are up for the Hall of Fame, this is going to be considered less of a knock on them then playing at Coors Field is considered a knock on any player God, that's ever played right. for the Rockies. Yep, I right. think they were Larry, literally cheating. Yep. I'm optimistic. I think Larry Walker is going to make it through this year. I hope so, because if he doesn't, I have a feeling that just no Rocky will ever get in no matter what. By the way, Carlos Beltran just stepped down. What was his post? He was the Mets manager. Oh, so the, now they're caught. Uh, he just was hired, he, but he, he was, was a player back with the Astros. And he was so involved with the cheating, just like everyone in that team. Now it's becoming clear that they don't want him anymore. So you literally, so you literally have three major league baseball teams without managers right now, and we're what a month from pictures yeah. and catchers reporting for spring training because of this of the scandal with How the Astros. Crazy is this someone's, is nuts. Someone's got to let the MLB know. I've heard Jeff Breidich, big cheater. They should definitely <laughs> investigate and get him out of Denver. What would the equivalent of, of this be in football? Because this is this is bigger than the what Bill Belichick and the Patriots have done. The the videotaping. Yeah. This is essentially a lot. bugging the quarterback yes. and knowing the play call. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's how big this is, and and if that happened, it it wouldn't be just be the biggest story in football, it'd be the biggest story in the country. It'd and be the biggest story in like the history of football in terms of scandal. Yes, isn't it almost maybe even a little more than just that? Because in that scenario, only maybe some coaches know about it. Well, no, they can. They're relaying it to the the green dot on defense, right? But the defense. Oh, you think that the coaches? Okay, the coaches don't just call the play. That what fits I'm saying that. is they have their system bugged. The coach yep. calls the play in. The defensive coach on the forty or on the Patriots calls down into his middle linebacker or whoever they have the dot on and says, "Hey, here's what they're running," and then he just tells her, "Oh, hey, it's you know." Gotcha. gotcha. He just okay. looks around and says, yep. "Okay, this is yep. what they're doing." Yep. <laughs> That's yeah. essentially it. Right. It is. It is. I or, was thinking they just. Considering just the it's new. the hitter, it's actually the other way around. The offense would know what play the defense or what the defense right. is calling. Yep. And then the quarterback just goes up to the line. Yeah. Audibles, boom. Obviously, it's still hard to hit a ninety mile per hour fastball or whatever. But just like it, it would they, still be hard to beat a defense. Right. One of the most important parts of the game is that the pitcher and catcher know what they're doing, and the and the batter does not. Yep. But if you know it's a, if you know it's a curveball, if you know it's a changeup. You adjust your swing accordingly. You adjust the timing. I mean, big time. Yeah. When you see a guy hit a home run off a curveball, normally it's because they guessed curve. They thought, this guy's throwing a curveball. I'm sitting back on it. And the, the pitcher leaves it up, and he was ready for it timing-wise, and he just crushes it. When you're not expecting curveball, your timing is all messed up. I mean, yep. it changes everything. <laughs> it is such egregious cheating. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. If you want right. to go down the rabbit hole, as some have, the Astros rock Tyler Anderson. Yep. Back in 2018, and maybe that game is the difference between the Rockies winning the division and going into the one-game playoff. Yep. Go and down like, the rabbit hole. It'll it'll scare you. It'll dis- it'll depress you. Tyler Anderson isn't that great, but he got rocked out of characteristic that day. It was not like he right. normally doesn't get shelled like that. Yep. He hasn't been the same since. Yeah. 
Next one from Lone Star Bronco. Hey guys, a lot on the brain, but we'll try to keep it short-ish. Does this system up the interest in T. Higgins or Justin Jefferson? Is there a chance Fant can can play your third wide receiver role from time to time? Sutton outside drafted or sign a wide receiver on the other side and Fant in the slot. Maybe downgrade the need for a second wide receiver in the draft or a free agency. You were correct about toaster scrambles, Ryan. They are bacon and egg toaster strudels. Really good stuff. Breck brews are the only thing besides PB&J that can be all three meals all by themselves. Nothing like a breakfast Breck brew at the deer lease. And Isaiah Simmons is the Taysom Hill of defensive football. I I can't do the beer in the morning, though. I mean, it's a Wisconsin thing. I've been to tailgates. I I can't do it. Can't do it. I I can can do cider in the morning. (laughs) Actually, last night before I took off, I had an apple pie hard cider from Cigar City Cider in Tampa. And it was incredible. Like drinking an apple pie Um, with the the cinnamon mm. It could even taste the crust in it. It was unbelievable. Do you like Bloody Marys in the morning? Yeah. Well, you could just do like a michelada, which is just Bloody Mary and beer. It's a little less thick, a little uh, less strong, easier to drink. Okay, I guess. <laughs> See, I'm not. A, I, yeah, I don't drink much beer. I'm more of a cider person than a beer person. I've. I, I it's harder it's really hard for me to get drunk off beer at this stage in my life <laughs> but i do enjoy like a just a beer for pleasure right i've changed in that way like i'll drink a breck brew just because it tastes great right rather than trying to drink like 12 Slam them back, yeah. like if i'm having a night <laughs> just I, i'm gonna skip some steps here go straight to the hard <laughs> yep <laughs> okay um, uh as for his questions, um, I think Fant will actually play way outside, not just in the slot. Well, he, I think he's going to play everywhere, but this is true. It's just you can't make that a habit, all, and then all of a sudden you don't have a tight end anymore. You have a wide receiver. Right. Like, like you can't just make Noah Fant your number two receiver for the whole season. No. But you can get, you can, you're definitely going to experiment with where you line him up. And Evan Engram has lined up all over the place yep. for the Giants with Pat Shermer. So there's a template right there. Totally. Inside, outside, a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. From Howie F. (laughs) Hey, guys. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Wondering what you think should happen at OL and linebacker. Should we try and bring in help in free agency or just see what happens in the draft? What pending to free agents do you think would be great fits if we went that route? P.S. With all this Bachelor talk, I'm going to have to get my wife to start listening to the show. Thanks for all you do. I love how it's all this Bachelor talk when, like, maybe we get (laughs) five minutes out of two hours each day. (laughs) We'll, uh... I'm watching episode two tomorrow. So we have to wait all the way until Monday to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it'll be a that, preview. It'll be a preview. Fine. <laughs> um, no comment from Mace. Offensive line. Uh, Are we going dream candidates? Sure. Oh, give me uh, Anthony Costanzo and Brandon Scherf. Shocker. All right. Scherf is an interesting one. Could be in play, I think. Yeah, that'd be mine as well. Uh, yep. Linebacker. We've talked about Joe Schobert. Um, Danny Trevathan, okay. I think that's I think that's my guy. Is he um, healthy though? That's I don't care. No, coming he's, off he, another injury. No, he's not healthy, and that's why you get him for four and a half, five million bucks. Sheesh. So getting a cheaper player because he's hurt at a position that can easily be swapped in and out. Yeah, that's true. And, and you didn't get you didn't get a discount on if you lose your right tackle, you're effed. Yes. If you lose your starting linebacker, you've already been using. 
you know, I just feel like I'm worried it could be a Bryce Callahan situation when you get a player for less than market value. Turns out he's not healthy. Yeah, you, with, I mean, with Danny, I'm saying he's. I'm not saying he's not going to play like Bryce Callahan or Juwan James. I'm saying you play 12 games, and I think that's about where he's been. So he he plays 12 games. I get a million dollar discount, and Vic loves him. He loves Vic. He loves Denver. His teammates love him. He's a he's a perfect. And then what do you do? Todd Davis is a replacement, or you, you draft Todd someone. Todd Davis is in, probably out. Yeah, you draft. Yeah, you're right. You draft someone in the fourth, fifth that that can learn from him. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Because what? Schobert's thirteen. Twelve or thirteen. Uh, I know they have money, but I'd rather spend it somewhere. They else. have cap space. Do they have the cash though? That's the other thing. My That's feeling. Grill. My feeling right now is just spend. I honestly don't care where you do it. Spend big money on big free agents. That's what I want. If it's Joe Schobert, that's fine. If it's Byron Jones, that's fine. If it's Chris Jones, awesome. Two of the three would be preferable. But I want to. I don't want to see this like, oh, we got this guy for cheap and that guy for cheap, and we're signing this guy and we're re-signing Justin. And the, well, do like, you want good news? John Elway's not going to do that. I know. He's not going to carry over money. I just want to make sure they can win some of these battles. Well, and you have to spend, if you're going to spend big money on a guy, spend big money on the right guy because they spent big money on Juwan James last <laughs> yeah. year. Yep, they certainly did. Okay, from Denver born, Denver raised. Hey, guys, I know I saw the Broncos dropped a hype tape for Drew Locke on their YouTube, which made me think a lot of things along with the new OC hire. First of all, I think John Elway has done a lot of developing as a general manager. When he first took over as GM, he basically brought the team's success. But now he's trying to bought the team's success. Now he's trying to build it. Seems he realized you can't always buy your way to wins. Second of all, I think we need to praise his ability to adjust. He really wanted a Shannon-hand-style offense, but he realized it isn't best for Drew in this young core. I wanted Elway fired as late as week one this season, so I've had to do a lot of backtracking lately. By the way, does anyone think Drew looks like a John, a young John Elway in a weird way? Anyways, every team needs luck to be a contender. The Nuggets lost game 82 two years ago, and because of it, they got MPJ and became the Nuggets we know. The Avs got lucky at the Duchesne trade, brought so many key players to Colorado, and Kale McCarr panned out. I don't think that was lucky necessarily. The Broncos, I think, found their luck with Drew falling to the second round and allowing them to get Reisner and Fant as well. Sorry for the long comment. I haven't commented in a while and had a lot of things on my mind. So they found their luck by finding their luck? Yes. <laughs> they locked down their luck. They locked into him. <laughs> they locked over, yeah. One thing, though, how involved do you think John Elway was in moving on from Scangarello? Not much I don't think he was really involved. All. I think this is a Vic thing. I think it's 100%. strictly a Vic thing. 100% a, a Vic thing. And one of the ways you sell it if you're Vic and you tell John Elway, okay, we're going to keep the same language of the offense. It's still going to be West Coast and its elements. And then you're like, okay, fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't think John Elway took much convincing. I think Vic said, I want this guy. And John said, well, maybe a step back. And he said, give me this guy. And... Probably John Elway wanted to push the ball down the field, too. Right. Yep. More than they did. Exactly. Exactly. Um, next one. Mile, yeah, Mile High 808. Yep. yep. Hold up. There is a DNVR rugby pod? Yes. Hands up. Salute. Yes. Welcome uh, to Colton, who is our new uh, Colorado Raptors insider. 
And one thing that I'll say about what he's able to do is, and this is what something that was really attractive to us about covering the Raptors. No one else is doing it. And that might uh, be a negative thing to some places. To us, it's actually a positive. He's going to get unprecedented access to that team. Uh, you know, his first podcast has a, a an exclusive interview with the head coach. There's a lot of really cool things. It's almost like what we've talked about before, how like uh, the dude wrote a book based off of the just being in training camp with the Broncos or he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's essentially like the type of access that he's getting, which I thought was really, really attractive to us. So that podcast is going to be awesome if you like rugby. But honestly, it's just going to be a really cool look at the inner workings of a professional team. Yeah, it, I'm so pumped for it. Anyway, speaking of all this food and care packages stuff brought on by Mike Hawk, I'm going to have to send you all some things from Hawaii. Everything is a mix-up down here from the people to the food and even traffic patterns. Don't get me started. With that being said, is there anything from here that y'all already tried? An idea for an awesome live pop would be trying all the foods from Broncos country around the world. Keep up the awesome work. Happy to be part of the Ohana. I And Ohana means family. Yes. Um, I, I'm down for trying all the foods. I don't know if it's a great idea to eat all of them on the same day. <laughs> um, as for Hawaii, the first thing that came to my mind was Maui onion chips. They are mm. so good. Maui onion chips, uh, pog. You ever have that? That it's a, it's a basically it's a fruit drink juice. It's passion nope. fruit, orange, and guava. Oh, it sounds delicious. It's amazing. Um, you, onion chips sound great. You oh can get it at any God. convenience store, any grocery store, and if you fly uh, Hawaiian Airlines between the islands, uh, they have just enough time to give everyone a little four ounce cup of pog. <laughs> It's tr- yeah, it's delicious. The, yeah, if you, I wish most, I could get it here. Most places you go to in uh, Hawaii, like if you order a sandwich, they're going to give you some Maui onion chips, and they are so good. Mm. Um, I've mentioned this before about Hawaii, and we've never—I don't know if we were ever able to figure out what it was. I have this like style, this like Hawaiian style of like fried chicken that was oh, so yeah. incredible. It had like a sweetness to it. Oh my god, I—I I wish I could remember the name because I think about it all the time. You ever have plate lunches? I think we've talked about that with the honestly. rice and the, you have you have the bed of rice you have the scoop of macaroni salad and then you have some kind of meat sometimes you can have eggs as well sounds delicious it's amazing uh, i it sounds basic when I, exactly and i when i went out there to cover a pro bowl years ago i had a plate lunch every day I bet there's also um, like the Hawaiian, rainbow drive-in in Honolulu. It looks like a Hawaiian rice thing that involves uh, canned ham. Not spam, but canned ham. Well, that's just the better word that doesn't sound <laughs> as gross. Spam is all because spam's all over the cuisine out there. Oh yeah, oh, has yeah. to be. Yep. <laughs> Next one from Coach Tobin. Long time. I listened to each pod, but thought I would chime in on the very awesome topics you have been discussing. Movies that made me cry. Up. Rudy, old yeller. When in Up did you cry, Coach Tobin? That's what I'd like to know. I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen Up? It's a good one. It's a I good bet. one. I've heard. Um, there is, because honestly, like the scene that makes me cry is the opening scene. Oh, then you just wreck the rest of the movie? Pretty much. Well, then you kind of, <laughs> and that brings you back kind of the present. You're kind of you know, normalized emotionally. But there is an opening scene in which a story is told 
without words, just through visuals and music. And mm. it's actually used in films in, in film school classes now as far as how to tell a story without dialogue in a scene. It's I, People who have seen the film know exactly what I'm talking about. By the way, him mentioning Rudy remind me of Brian's song. That's a mm. tearjerker. Brian's song is a tearjerker. Rudy is overrated. <laughs> Rudy is too cloying. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but yeah it's, I don't disagree. It, it's, it, I love the message. And Old Yeller just falls in with our animals. And Dan Devine wanted Rudy to play, okay? He's made out to be the bad guy. Oh, put him up. No, absolutely not. Dan Devine wanted Rudy to play. I hate the way that film portrays Dan Devine. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> he gets the shaft. They need, a, they need a villain. Pop-Tarts are trash, Whoa. and a hot dog is not a sandwich. There, I said it. You're half right. Agreed on one, yeah. <laughs> I mentioned this in an earlier pod this year, but Burrow, about Burrow and Locke. Mays shot me down, but I'm going to ask, as again, as RK was absent on the previous, if Locke was a starter at LSU this season, would he have had a better, would he have been more successful? I honestly see Burrow as an Andy Dalton type. Nothing special. If Drew had been surrounded by great talent and a competent offensive coordinator in college, he would have been a top five pick, and I'm grateful that he didn't have that op- option, selfishly. Um, it's it's It would be egregious to say he would have been better. Uh, for sure. And honestly, probably agree just to say he would have been as successful. It was a perfect fit. And here's one thing that Joe Burrow does do better than Drew Locke as he throws a incredibly fluffy deep ball. Um, it is, it, they run that slot fade over and over and over again in that offense and Joe Burrow throws it perfectly. Um, so no, he would not have had the best season ever as a college quarterback, <laughs> but I will say he would have been an early first-round pick. I agree with both of those. He would have really, really shined in that offense and had an incredible season and probably would have been a Heisman contender. But to say as successful or better, it it would be homerish. I think Locke, just his style would have led to more turnovers. Yeah, he definitely wasn't going 10-to-1 touchdown to interception ratio. Right. Last thing, I, too, am grateful for this family we have here. All of we, we all have our stuff, but we don't have to be alone in dealing with it. It is amazing that you three are open to chat about whatever at any time. You won't get that any place. Anyone can hit me up anytime, too. I'll share my info if interested. Love, Coach. That's pretty awesome. Love you, Coach. Wow, that's great. From the Sandy Man. Just signed up. Y'all got me hooked. Welcome to the family. We got him. Listening to you guys yesterday, you made a comment about Luke's retirement and how at least he didn't do it at the end of the season, or at least he did it at the end of the season. Hypothetical. If Luck would have retired at the end of the season instead of midway through the offseason, would Locke have not made it past them in the draft? Sorry about the three L names. Luke, Luck, Locke. <laughs> Number two, how do you feel about the Broncos drafting Rugs at 15 then trading back into the first for LaVisca? Uh, I don't know about you guys, but Ruggs, Sutton, LaVisca, and Fant would be lethal for years in the new three-wide scheme. You were reading my mind. I was reading your mind, Sandy, man. Yep, that's amazing. Um, as for, I think the Colts, no matter what, we're going to give Brissett a chance. Mm. I mean, they did. it's hard to argue with that because they gave him that big contract. What was it, two years, 36 mil? Yeah, but it's not onerous, and they can get out of 
part of it. But I, I just mean I think they, they liked really liked him. And yeah. when Luck retired, no matter when he did it, they were going to say, let's give him a chance. It looked like it was going to work out for a while this year, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it did, man. Could you imagine, though, if Andrew Luck helped the Broncos get Drew Luck? We can live in that world. I'm fine with that. Andrew Luck, yeah. From NorCal Diehard, and, and Mace wouldn't have let us be wrong about this, but we were wrong about something yesterday. He says, to go back to the crazy Joe Burrow transfer story, I believe the two quarterbacks ahead of Burrow at Ohio State were Haskins and Tate Martell. Martell was the one we were forgetting about. He was yeah. the number one overall recruit in the nation. Yes. Yep. Uh, while Fromm beat out Eason at Georgia, yep. and then, of course, Justin Fields right. was involved as well. Eason then transferred to Washington. Fields came to Georgia the next year and couldn't win the job, then transferred to Ohio State, while Martell transferred to the University of Miami. Crazy story. Cue the 30 for 30 campus. The transferring of high-level quarterbacks at college has been one of the most revolutionary developments in college football in the last few years. You wonder how many great quarterbacks we never really got to see because they were stuck behind other great quarterbacks at good universities. Well, it was so rare that they would get an opportunity. Like In the early 1990s, Florida State had an outstanding starter named Casey Weldon, who eventually became a pretty solid backup in the NFL. The backup quarterback was Brad Johnson. Right. Brad Johnson started a handful of games, showed enough to where the Vikings drafted him, and then different era, they just they stashed him, they sent him over to NFL Europe, and eventually he went from like I think the sixth round to becoming their starter, started for Washington, took the Bucks to a Super Bowl. Of course now we don't have that avenue of development anymore. Yeah. The ability to be paid there's be a lot of the way they were. There's a a few guys who have fit this mold in the past, but it just makes you wonder how many we miss out. Matt Castle is one who never started a game in college <laughs> and ended yeah. up being a starter in the NFL. Incredible. Um Cardale Jones yep. starts three games, gets a ton of hype, then makes the mistake of going back to – didn't he? He went back to school after yep. that, and then he mm-hmm. fell way down and never Even ended though, up doing anything. Even though school's not – We ain't here to play school, <laughs> yeah. um, which I agree with. Um, oh, is that kind of like those things oh, we are talking wow. about? Oh, wow. Biscuit roll-ups But remember we are talking D. about the cheese and the sausage in a breaded type thing? Yeah, that would look. That was it. Oh, like right? a sausage roll. Right. That was right. that was like a breakfast version. Okay. Sausage roll is like a. Dinner oh, it's thing. a dinner. Okay. Um, NorCal diehard being our own boodsman. Yeah, I I knew there was something wrong with what yeah. we were saying. I didn't feel confident in it, but Tucson Mike says all the talk of a two receiver draft. I agree. And given the Shermer offense, would you rather come away with a Rugs and Gabriel Davis type or a Visca Duvernay combo? I don't know much about Gabriel Davis. I must admit. Um, but I do love du- Duvernay, and I obviously love Visca. So, yeah, I don't think you're wrong, either way. Yeah, true. I I want a, a a slot receiver, and Duvernay might be that guy. I think I'd rather have the combo of Visco and Duvernay if that's what you're doing. Duvernay's awesome. I think he's really going to show out at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Tater Tot Tom, also with being a huge Broncos fan, I'm a huge wrestling fan. Did you guys ever get into wrestling? Watch any now. Have a favorite match type wrestler. I'm sorry, Tater Tot Tom. No. No, not. This is rare that it's 0 for 3 here. Yeah. Um, my mom was not controlling about what I watched or what I ate and that sort of stuff. Not, I shouldn't say. She wasn't too controlling. One thing. Was not allowed to watch wrestling as a kid. I don't know what it was. I think she probably watched some like 
60 minute special that said like it's Probably encouraging an violence yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. I was done. I wasn't allowed to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch it at all. Holy. Okay. Boy. We got a long one from <laughs> Stu Padasso. Or Padasso. Oh, my. Yeah, this is a, a novel. Okay. My dudes, long time no comment. I changed my nickname from Bearded Bronco so I could be like a bunch of my crazy DNVR family members. I know you guys hear it every day, but I love DNVR. We love you, too. Because of DNVR Broncos, I now listen to DNVR Avs, DNVR Nuggets, the DNVR Sports Podcast, and all the DNVR Draft Podcasts, and I've fallen in love with those sports again. So cool. Nice. That's awesome. I lived in Michigan for 17 years. I was in Hawaii for eight years before that, and the only team I stopped following was the Broncos, though it always felt like I was on the outside looking in and behind the times. DNVR has not only helped me feel like I'm the most informed fan, but I feel like I'm on the inside. The content you guys provide is second to none, and you have a lifelong member in me. So great to hear. Also, how you bring sports fans together as a community is special. I love, love, love it. As for the emotional switch that you guys talked about, I remember the exact moment that it happened to me, and I haven't been the same ever since. The year was 2000, and I was 25 years old at the movies watching newly released The Patriot with Mel Gibson. I must preface this with something my friend had said to me the night before. He said, there will be a scene in the movie that will get you. I guarantee it, and you'll know it when it happens. So in the movie with my popcorn soda and junior mints, just anticipating this moment that my friend was uh, referencing when Mel's son was killed. I got a little welled up and I had that feeling in the throat, but it didn't get me. And I thought to myself, that must be the moment he was talking about. And I thought I was in the clear for the rest of the movie. Oh, was I sadly mistaken. And forever a crier after the scene where one of Mel's daughters who hadn't talked all movie suddenly ran after him saying, Papa, don't go. I'll say whatever you want. The floodgates opened. From that moment on, I cry, get choked up at everything from commercials to seeing someone face a fear. Next, and all this I'm going to say is that it is not to be a hater, but you could drop all future Bachelor talk, and I bet at least 75% of the community would fist bump. Mace is probably with me on this one. I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. Well, uh, it, it's to... like Brian said earlier. It's not like we're doing one pot a week on The Bachelor. Yeah, it's like a few minutes. <laughs> on um, the Dan Patrick show, they have... Uh, I think it's one good soccer minute or something that they do. <laughs> oh, right, right. This is essentially that. Yeah, we just may do it. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, I'd be happy to come on here and talk soccer for 20 minutes of podcast. Mm. No, you, maybe you can hit up Colton and talk about uh, <laughs> soccer on the rugby podcast. Or maybe we should have a soccer podcast. Not that I have anything, and you never know how far away that might be. Um, I love soccer. I really, really do. It's just, it doesn't belong on this podcast. The Bachelor does. <laughs> Wait. Yep. One's a sport, one isn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this they, is a they, football they, podcast that <laughs> talks about other life things. And you know Not what else and you know what else soccer is known by around the world? Football. Yeah. Interesting. Um, anyways, one, I asked a question to Mace about the straw back when he came first came aboard and he said one hole. Two, strawberry Pop-Tart is my first choice, and I agree with Mace that you can eat it right out of the package without warming it up if you don't carry a toaster in your car. Damn, LOL. that's all for when I eat it is in the car. You got to grab and go. Just pop it in the, in the toaster for one minute before you go. Sometimes I don't have one minute. You always have one minute. <laughs> it's very tight in the morning for me. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on in that mind of yours, Zach? I mean, you <laughs> three, Mr. B. Four, what are your thoughts about CHJ, uh, CHJ's comments that the Chiefs would be a good fit for him? 
I want to keep him, but if he must leave, I sure hope he goes out of the division. It's Where good, did he say that? I, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up there, but I don't know where he said that. He knows he's playing a game. Yeah, he is. He's playing a game. Mm-hmm. He wants to get in John Elway's head. Yep, he's, he's poking the bear. Yep. Uh, uh, five on today's pod, you guys broke down the $80 million in cap space. What about Connor? Do you think he'll be gone? Yeah, we forgot to mention his contract, I think. Maybe I... Yeah, no, I don't think we included him. Okay, I don't. Th- I don't want him to be gone, but I think he could be gone. I don't want him at the at the price tag. People are saying eight million dollars. You got to pay to keep guys around on the offensive line. How is he? Oh, that's crazy! You don't even know what position he's gonna play. He plays. He played a very good center this year. So is he your center? I'm. Yeah, I'm in on that. Very okay. good center, but was he better than Matt Paradis? Matt See, I would have paid Matt Paradis year, more than I would pay Connor McGovern. He even, was better than even coming off the injury. He was better than Paradis was this year. Yeah, this year because that was post injury. So. Yep. Um, six. I know it won't happen, but I'd love to see Peyton Manning as quarterback coach and D. Ware as the outside linebackers coach. <laughs> They're not Stop. going to come back as position coaches. Also, I'm okay with Demarcus Ware being a great player for the Broncos, and thank you. I mean, why, why would you work? 90-hour weeks when if you're, you're Peyton Manning or DeMarcus Ware. Why? To be a positional coach? Yeah, I don't see that. No. You wouldn't. It's never happening. I, mean, I know that you prefaced it by saying you know it won't happen. <laughs> Peyton's got the just p- end it here? Peyton's got the perfect scenario because he kind of goes where he wants, does what he wants. He gets to do some TV stuff and show up and hit golf balls in Jim Nance's backyard. And every so often, he can work with a quarterback like Drew Locke. If the option is there. Actually, here's something I was thinking about. What if now that you you have Pat Shermer, who worked with Eli Manning with the Giants, Peyton Manning is on Drew Locke's speed dial. What if part of this is the Drew Locke quarterback camp happening at Duke the way it did with Peyton and Eli and working with David Cutcliffe, who's forgotten more about passing than anyone else on the planet knows? I uh, love it. I love yeah, everything about it. Absolutely. I, I mean, Eli, don't get too close, but um, Peyton, <laughs> definitely Peyton. I think it would be awesome. Yeah, I do too. Um, eight, future pod or article topic suggestion, explanation of the Hall of Fame selection committee, how it breaks down, who is on it, et cetera. Yes, definitely for a future day. Nine, I think we should theme this offseason the open up your eyes, people. <laughs> and you could play open up your eyes from Tonic at the close of the pod. Oh. There are also so many other songs with this title or one similar that you could rotate just a thought. Mm. We play Pleasure Horse at the end of yeah, the pod. We love there Pleasure are people. Horse. They yeah. listen to the podcast. And by the way, we haven't said this in a while. If you're in a band, if you uh, create music of any way, if you want to make us a song, whatever you want to do, we'll play it. Just let us know. Absolutely. Um, 10, whoever argues that a hot dog is a sandwich needs to get off my hot dog and stop trying to put my hot dog in their box. <laughs> Let my hot dog be free. Is that like Vic in a box? No, <laughs> kind of. Yes. Uh, thanks for always making my day better than it was before I started listening that day. You Aww. are appreciated and one of the highlights of my day. Hashtag three hour pod and you're getting your wish today. <laughs> oh, yes, because we're, we're barely halfway through the comments right now. I think. And because we're about halfway through the comments, it's time to tell you about Green Mountain Dental. As you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty darn important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for GMDG to hand over a free Sonicare 
Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment. Guys, you know what I saw today at the gym? What? Philip Lindsay DNVR shirt. Nice. Someone's rocking at the gym, and you know how you guys can get your hand on one of those for free? Is Join a member. Become part of this family where you get to leave comments on here. You get to say whatever you want, and it's read on this podcast. Well, pretty much anything you want. And uh, you get to join our fam. You get all of the exclusive coverage that we have. Yes, please join. We'd love to have you as part of the family. Our stuff only gets more fun in the offseason as you're starting to learn. <laughs> and with that, I should remind you, we love when you leave us a, a review on iTunes. Um, I'm addicted at looking at them, and I get really sad when there's not a new one when I go check it. So. And I get sad when there's a bad one left about my last. So <laughs> we need to counteract that. If you... Like the way we brighten up your day, brighten up my day by going and leaving us a nice review on iTunes. Love you guys. Next one coming in from, oh, Mace, this is you, right? Yes, Iceman. Hey, friends. It did not take long to miss Mace, but it is great to have Ryan back. Smiley face. RK, you will never get my comments, and as a millennial or Gen Z, you probably would not. We were born a full generation apart. It's okay, kids. Mrs. Iceman and I really like the DNVR family we met and spent time with at Blake Street Tavern. Go Broncos, Drew, DNVR kids. Thanks, Iceman. And despite our um, kids. despite our language barrier, I still love you. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that we're doing is we're making a multi-generational family. As most families are. They should be. <laughs> Not appealing to one age demographic. I, our, I know that we have listeners in their 70s because yep. I've heard from them. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's a true family yeah. from yeah. top to bottom. Yeah, it's very cool. Chad the man chimes in. Finally subscribed after listening to your pod consistently the last few weeks. We got him. I swore (laughs) I wasn't going to subscribe until the Drew Lock Buzz Lightyear shirt was created. LOL. Anyway, in a world where you can only sign two big name free agents, who would they be? The Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. (laughs) Give me offensive line and Byron. Which offensive lineman? Scherf. Probably. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going. Well, I'd like to be different than both of you. But the problem is, Chris Jones, that's my dream. That That's my shoot for the moon guy. And then... And by the way... I, I'm okay with James Bradbury at corner. Woody Page recently just kind of... Snu- it was like a tweet response to someone. But he said, don't be surprised that the Broncos go hard after Chris Jones. And usually when he declares something, he knows something. <laughs> yep. Well, hasn't he been in Elway Suite a few times? <laughs> He's got good seats. Yes. Ah, that's fascinating. He has a seat in the press box, but he doesn't often sit in the press box. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yep. All right, we got another long one here. I'll take care of it. From Love Thunder Down Under, Marmite, Mighty Bites, Mr. Mite, whatever, Vegemite in seven. Vegemite is by far superior... Okay, so here's what you have to do. You have to play Aussie Roulette. You need all three of you for fun. Get two Tim Tams, a tube of, Je- uh, of Vegemite, and, a tr- and form a triangle with them, 20 centimeters apart, each side for guidance. Place a tablespoon in the middle of the triangle. The game. You take turns spinning the spoon. If your spin has the head of the spoon pointing towards an item, you must eat it in a mouthful and remove it from the table. Get a Tim Tam, you get to eat a full biscuit of chocolate goodness. 
Superior biscuit. It's not called an effing cookie, mate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great cookies. Uh, get the Vegemite. You raise your spoon like the weapon it is. Uh, go into the jar, fill the spoon, and eat one bite. If you've grown up on Vegemite, this is a great way to enjoy afternoon tea. Didn't? Well, the good news is you won't have any ulcers in your mouth. <laughs> Want to play the adult version? Work in some Bundy rum as an option. If we play the adult version, we're doing this at my house because I wouldn't be able to drive. I, I am. <laughs> I, I, I get drunk to the point of not being able to drive really quick. Commit to the game and a care package is on the way. And yes, play it on Periscope. Note, I've never played this game in my life. In fact, I'm sure the time you play it will be the first in history. But that's life on the frontier, am I right? So it's only two ingredients. Yeah, you got two Tim Tams and Vegemite. If you don't do the adult version. Right. Oh, and the adult version is just an additional. Do you each spin once and who, like whatever's left over for the third person, they just have to take it? Right. Yeah, not necessarily. Or do you just you get, keep playing until you, you run out of. You Tim fill Tams the spoon. Yeah, you, I think you just go rounds until you have no more Vegemite or Tim time. Let Tim us know, time. but we're in. At least we'll play. Yeah. I'm in. All I'm right. in. Yeah. Have you Tim. had Vegemite, Mace? Yeah, it's. Eh. So we've heard. It's, uh, <laughs> it's hard to describe. Does it taste, in the American palate? Does it taste like termites blended up? <laughs> Well, having not Someone had termites said, hey, blended up, to... I can't tell you that. <laughs> We've got a comment on here that said, when Zach said that, I almost threw up. I had to pull my truck over. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, by the way, I love this username, by the way. Negative, false, positive. Yes. <laughs> you can have burritos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You can't. And I actually would eat a Chipotle burrito or illegal Ooh. Pete's burrito for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I would, too. But the truth is, what you're saying here is that you can wrap a tortilla around anything for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, which is true. Well, I yeah. mentioned the the Thanksgiving tortilla, the th- burrito. Yes. Where you take the tortilla and you stuff it with turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing. Yeah. And then I add a, add some cheese and then add some hot sauce. We are familiar <laughs> with the recipe. Um, it's tremendous. You guys are letting one of the great pleasures in life pass you by. What if there's something called like the triple threat or something you eat illegal pizza for breakfast oh. chipotle for lunch qdoba for i said we do that I'm let's down. do that it <laughs> sounds so good is there still a big city burrito around here too Ooh. i don't think so that's a fort collins yeah, thing but there say. was one over on parker road a yeah, while back but it mm-hmm. only applies to a certain demographic <laughs> i don't know you why don't consider <laughs> yourself a part of uh it's fine it's good but like people in fort collins are obsessed with it is the demographic college kids Maybe. College they used kids to be one in who, Boulder, but it didn't survive. College kids who have a certain amount of green in their wardrobe. I think that's the general... In, in their sock drawer. <laughs> what we should do also is maybe it, this needs to be something kind of where we expand as well to say, okay, let's work in the other regional burrito chains and show why they don't stack up to what we have here. Because like in, in the South, you've got Moe's, for example. Mm. In Florida, you have something called Tijuana Flats, which is terrible. I've heard of that. Like something People else. have mentioned it. Yeah, it's mm. not very good. I went there once. It was meh. Yeah, I mean, Illegal Pete's is the best. but The only thing them... Tijuana Flats has going for it is a hot sauce bar. Ooh, that is nice. I'll just go and have chips with a hot sauce, but that's it. But yeah, Mo, but Moe's... Moe's isn't bad. I think I just had a bad experience once when I went to Moe's in Midtown Atlanta and it kind of turned me off. I'll be honest. I love burritos. I don't think I've ever had one from a restaurant that I didn't like. It's true. Even Taco Bell. 
From Love Thunder Down Under, hot take, Count Locula is actually a mace burner account to flex on Ryan and Zach by using over overly elaborate wording that only he can properly enunciate. Enunciate, nice word. I think it's right. Cleaver's eight mace, is it true? No. I don't have time to have a burner account. Mm, he's denying it mm, by saying classic. he doesn't have time. That's exactly what I would yeah. say if I had a burner account. <laughs> or at least I don't have time to have a burner account oh, on yep. here. I will admit I have a burner account on Twitter, but I never <laughs> use it to talk football. It's all politics. Okay. That's fair. <sighs> yeah. it's, it, it allows me to get things off my chest that I used to get off my chest on the main account and we get in, in Mace Denver and get into a lot of trouble. So I, now I have this and it's kind of therapeutic for me. I think that's respectable. Um, I think that's what most people would prefer. Everyone has political beliefs. It's not as if you're not allowed to have them, right. but most people just don't want to deal with them in this forum, which I agree with. Um, and sometimes what happens is so nonsensical, so idiotic that I'm like, I just have to say something even if it's on the political burner account that has like three followers. Yeah. I'm just doing it to get it off my chest. I just That's say all. it to my girlfriend. <laughs> Cleaver's 83. I'm a day late on this comment, but when I heard RK say that somewhere, somewhere around turning 21, he suddenly got more emotional or in tune with his emotions. That meant a lot to me because as a guy, this also happened to, to I, to me, never know how to feel about it. And I never knew how to feel about it. There was something wrong with, was there something wrong with me? Was I being dramatic and I never knew? But to hear multiple people go through that made me feel a lot better about myself and feel more normal about my emotions. I know this might be a long one already, but the last thing, the craziest thing I've cried at was the video of the homeless guy getting like $30 and spreading it throughout his homeless community. The guys that were filming felt so moved they gave him like 200 bucks after that. That's an awesome. I haven't seen that video, but yeah. it sounds amazing. Um, yeah. So... I have a theory on why it's happening because it's not just Cleaver. A lot of us have chimed in and said there's something that clicked in our early 20s where all of a sudden we started crying at movies and videos and tear-jerking commercials and whatever. Um, I think that when you're a kid, the not to get too deep into this stuff, but like the, the social constructs of masculinity make you think you have to, you're not supposed to cry and you're not supposed to do this and not supposed to do that. And then eventually when you actually become a man, you realize that stuff doesn't matter and you're much more in tune with your emotions and not afraid to cry. Sure, yeah. Or your frontal lobe is developed or something. It's not that I'm not afraid to cry. It's just that I don't find things to cry about very often. I, I've got a pretty high threshold for what I cry about. We're talking about, like, movies. Yeah, I don't really cry. Because part of it is like, well, that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, you're too pragmatic. Yeah, that's the thing. I just have a different threshold. So you, do you not enjoy movies because you don't think that you can I enjoy movies. I'm just saying I know it's fiction. So then there's, st I feel like if it's, it's now, that approach, now if it's something that really happened, that's sad, I'll cry because it really happened. Hmm. Interesting. It's kind of how I feel about, um, haunted houses. Mm. I, I don't do this on purpose, but I flip a switch in my brain where I'm like, none of this is real. I can't be scared by it. And then I just can't. And I don't want to do that. I want to be scared, but like Why? my brain Why doesn't Why do you want to be scared? I, I don't care. If you're houses. at a haunted house, you want to. That's so see. stupid. Why do you want to be scared? <laughs> I, see, I, I want to be miserable right now. Let me make myself miserable. See, I cry when there's an actual disaster and like a thousand people die. Okay. Like when they had the tsunamis that hit back in, in around Christmas or Boxing Day of 2004. I cried about that. For okay. sure. Yeah, that was a you know, d disaster. It was a terrible tragedy. Um, 
as for haunted houses, it's just a thrill. It's the same thing as like, why would you risk your life by jumping out of a plane I with a parachute? <laughs> you know, like, but it's a, it's a, it's a lesser version of that. Or why do people watch scary movies? It, it, it evokes emotion. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I cry when my cats are really cute. What? <laughs> what was the name the other day that you said is so? I, <laughs> I meant to screenshot it. <laughs> From Am I Right or Amarillo? So I posted this back in November when I first joined the DNVR family and it missed the podcast. I'll do a quick edit and remove the when will juice start stuff and leave my story about becoming a Broncos fan. Hey guys, glad to join the DNVR community. My first comment will be a non-germane story about how I became a Broncos fan. The year was 1993. I knew two things about football. One, I should probably be a Cowboys fan. Two, the great Barry Sanders played for the Lions. After countless attempts at defeating my brother in Tecmo Super Bowl with these teams... I picked a random team called the Denver Broncos. I finally won. That Sunday, I had to watch this team and see what they were about. I was introduced to the great John Elway that day, and an affection for the orange and blue began that day that runs deep. This team can go 14-2 and two or 2-14, and 14 and I'll watch every minute of it. I've been a diehard since that day, and for me, the, Texans, uh, the Texas panhandle is Broncos country. Been listening for a while and decided that y'all have earned the membership cost plus some. I consider myself quite the Broncos trivia buff, but my knowledge admittedly falls short of the great Andrew Mason. Uh, this is why I use the code MACE. Thank you. Sorry for the long-winded comment. Excited to be on board. We're excited to have you on board. Thank you, Am I Right or Amarillo. Are you, by the way, do you live in Amarillo? Because assume you mentioned the panhandle of Texas, so I would guess yes. Amarillo by morning, up from San Antonio. Am I right? What's, what's who sings that? Cure Straight. Uh, song. Yeah. Amarillo by morning. Yep. Up from San Antonio. Everything that, that I got is just what I got on. Great. Oh, keep going. Keep Great going. Music. I haven't recognized it yet. Great music. <laughs> from J3 Bronco. Hey, gents. The offseason is living up for the hype so far, eh? Mace, I got to know. Are you the elder millennial of the group or the wise Gen Xer? Officially, I would call, I would be in Generation X, although I find that my interests my leanings tend to be a little bit more elder millennial than mm. gen x interesting so. you're calling yourself hip hip but quickly fading away <laughs> so with all the draft talk i feel an interesting aspect that needs more attention is trading up to get judy Wirfs or someone else <laughs> Personally, I like the idea of trading up for Judy than getting the best O-lineman available with our next pick. With Munchak in our corner, I'm I'm more willing to pick a lineman lower and let him work his magic. Can you all talk through what it would look like to trade up to that level, the pros and cons of what has to happen between now and then to make that a reality? Oh, okay, so my comment on the food thing. Mac and cheese with tuna mixed in. Legit. Thanks, guys. Love my DNVR fam. Go Broncos. Okay, so what level are we talking Mm -hmm. about for Judy or worse? Probably like... Pick six to eight. Yeah, I was thinking eight is the lowest that you can get Judy. Yeah, and that's probably going to take a second round, the second round pick, and something else. Maybe even two twos. If it's Mm, not two and a three, if it's not a first round pick, I'm open to it. But boy, I mean, even thinking one, two, and three. So you get Judy at the price of then not drafting again until the third round. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, then you could package your two threes that you have left over to get into the second round you could you could are you doing it or one two from next year and a three so you still ha- then you get a second but then a they would view that as a third because like future draft picks right it's the same discounted. as two threes yeah 
two threes. So you think two threes and a one would move you no, up no, that no, much? No, 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 no. You're confusing yourself. Yeah, I am. Okay, so you've now traded your second and a third. From this year. From this year to get from 15 to 8. Yeah. So now you have no seconds but two thirds le- left right. over. You trade a second from next year uh-huh. and a third from this year to get in a second from this year. Right. Now you have a first, second, and third round pick. Are you doing it? Yes. Interesting. I don't know. That's tough. That's a lot. With so many good receivers. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm not doing it. Just yeah, the depth of receiver. I think that seems too much. I'm doing it, and I'll never look back. Yeah, you probably won't. Jay Harrison, 16. Quick couple of questions, fellas. Say Drew Locke in the 2020-2021 season comes out and puts up numbers identical to Jameis Winston, over 5,000 yards, but also 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. How would you feel about that season? Yeah, it's his sophomore season. Yeah, I'd feel really bad. I'd be like, okay, they need to find a quarterback. Are you guys kidding me? I'd love it. No. Stop. Oh, come on. Do you you want to see Drew Locke throw 30 interceptions? You, uh, with 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards? Zach, you want no part of this. <laughs> Trust me on this. Do you know you how hard it is to win mad. games when your quarterback throws two interceptions every game? Well, you blame it on Shermer, and you get a new offensive coordinator. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> no. The most I could um, live with is – oh, God. With 30 touchdowns, the, mo- the most interceptions I could live with would be 20. If he throws 30 interceptions, the fan base will ride Drew Locke out of town on a rail. But 5,000 yards? It doesn't matter. You can't throw A lot of picks. those yards are going to be because you're digging yourself holes because of all the turnovers that you have. There's The thing with Jameis Winston, there's a decent amount of catch-up yardage involved with that because he had so many turnovers early, early in games and – the Bucks would spot the opponent a 14-point lead. I think he threw seven interceptions on the first drive of the game. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys, that's just a gunslinger mentality. Oh, no, that no, is no. Do you like it? That's an idiot mentality. Do you like it? <laughs> There's a difference between a gunslinger and a one-to-one touchdown interception. I mean, you're never happy with 30 if, if If I see this sort of season, there may be a game in the press box midway through in which I get up and go home. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it. That's how you can watch the garbage that's been going on for the last four years, but you can't watch. I'd I'd rather watch thirty the interceptions is, and thirty touchdowns than anything I've seen over but the last. Four you need years. To, yeah. you'd understand my perspective. I've been watching Jameis too. I know. So I I've just, just it's like if I see anything like that from Drew Lock, I'll be like, I've seen enough. I can't I can't take this. Well, I we'll need do a the break. Pod without you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's his sophomore season, and he probably have to do some more development, but Winston was considered trash with that season. I feel like if Drew Locke did that, and the Broncos could easily go 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six because the Broncos' defense is significantly better than that of the Bucks. Yeah, The Bucks' defense was playing well for stretches this year, though, um, in spite of what was going on with Jameis Winston. It's not. It's just, no, just no. You don't want that. You, you, you're in trouble. And if the defense was playing well and – Drew Locke was throwing all those picks, you'd have the same wedge just, in the locker room that you've had in yeah. some previous years. It's not happening, though. Drew Locke is not a 30-interception guy. We've already seen him. He threw seven touchdowns to three interceptions. And I don't he sees think, the field much better than Jameis Winston. Well, I don't think they would allow him to be a 30-interception guy. At that point, I think they would throttle it back. You know what's crazy? Just a different thing that came to my mind just now. Jimmy G does not see coverage linebackers. He's, like, blind to them. Right. I, I, it's going to come back to bite them. I know it. Maybe this week. Yeah. I, 
We'll get into our picks tomorrow. I got a feeling about that game. Oh, I right. Not too. numbers. It's just a feeling. All right. Me too. Mr. Undrafted, do you think J.J. Watt is going back to the Texans? If not, is he around the same price as Derek Wolf? Come on, bro. Which would you rather have since both have a high motor but are also injury prone? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is... I mean, there is probably a 3X gap between these guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wolf for $6 million, J.J. Watt for like... 15? Oh, yeah. Would you pay that to J.J. Watt? No. Yes. I'll tell you, the, I would give, if you can't get Chris Jones, I would give J.J. Watt the defensive line contract equivalent of what Peyton Manning got coming here in that it's a fair amount of money, and I'd say probably for J.J. Watt, given his experience level, and there's a medical out after There's every a medical year. out every year. It is effectively a year-to-year contract predicated on passing his physical. But also, if he doesn't like if he has that first year and he plays four games, you say, fine, we're moving on. That's, well, makes- I would I would be I would be willing to give JJ Watt that sort of contract. Didn't I mean I don't think Peyton's wasn't a fair contract. Wasn't he the highest paid player in the NFL with that contract? I'm pretty sure it was. But it, it, what Mace is talking about is essentially the medical out. Right, right. But, I mean, it, you're not going to get him, like, on the cheap with that type of deal. I think you're paying $15 million a year. Okay, well, that's how much he's on the books for next year. There's no dead cap money, so the Texans can move on from him. His cap hit is $15.5 million. The following year, it's $17.5 million. They're not going to move on from him. But what if they did? Would Because they said that was too much. So Would you? Three years, $45 million, do I get the medical out? No, two years guaranteed. Thirty. No, million. I'm not doing. I'm no, not I'm, doing I'm that doing contract. That. Absolutely. Without, I'm or not doing that contract years. without the medical out. So, Mace, you're you're passing up on just one year of medical out. I'm not doing without the medical Here's out. I'm the taking thing. that risk. That's that is that is my line in the I sand. Just, I, I guess if my option is I don't get Eric Armstead or Chris Jones, do I still want JJ uh, Watt? Yes. I want JJ Watt over those guys you're with crazy. that contract. Well, hey, you're paying him five million dollars less, so I think you're crazy. No. No, he's injured every year. He's the best defensive player in football when he's healthy. That hasn't happened. There is something that he would bring that does have value beyond his play. A locker room presence that you have not had since I think since this is a problem I Peyton have. Manning. One of the reasons why I have a draw. I don't like his shtick. Oh, I love it. I, I, I love it. I don't think it's a shtick. You don't like his shtick? You don't like him I don't being think a good it's a person? shtick at all. No, it's not him being a good person. It's just like his... It feels fabricated. His leadership feels fabricated to me. Doesn't to me. I gotta, I gotta disagree with you there. Could you imagine J.J. Watt, Von Miller, and Bradley Chubb? Can you imagine Chris Jones, Von Miller, and Bradley Chubb? I'd rather have J.J. J.J. Watt has been a better player than Von Miller, and he's played less. Doesn't he have three defensive MVP or defensive player of the year awards? He, he already can get sized for his jacket for Canton. Right. He could have walked away two years ago, and he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. There's, there's just, nothing he can add now that changes but his body the worthiness of his resume. Any, he's not getting any better. His body's just going to wear down more. Man, give me three years, 45 mil, two years guaranteed. See, it's the second. Oh, I love and, that. And I love J.J. Watt. I just can't do the second year guaranteed. I mean, if you love J.J. Watt, then you should do it no matter what. 
My problem is I don't think J.J. Watt is getting any better. I think he's only getting worse and getting more injury prone as he gets older, and he's just going to be hurt more. But I would try to sell him on that contract saying, this is the, the sort of contract that Peyton Manning had. You can be our defensive Peyton. Michael Jordan wore these shoes. They're going to make me good at basketball. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I don't think he's going to be available. I don't think the Texans are moving on. Well, you know, think... the other reason why I wouldn't mind J.J. Watt, you know where he went to school? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Can't... I just I, I, imagine I like where I'm the... going to be saying if the Broncos do it, what an idiotic move. Imagine just, to where me, the... he's yeah. third on that list. Imagine yeah. where the Broncos would be if they drafted a Bagsher over a Ute in 2017 or a Bagsher over a Sun Devil in 2012. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Ramchak and Russell Wilson. Yep. 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 All right. From Lou Sassels. Speaking of the opposite <laughs> from earlier. First of all, shout out to York Hawk <laughs> for making me the well rounded individual <laughs> I am today. <laughs> Without York Hawk, there is no <laughs> Lou Sassels. <laughs> <laughs> Football question. What are your feelings on the possibility of picking up Kareem Hunt? Obviously, he's immensely talented, but there are off-the-field issues. Are they too much of a concern? Uh, I'll pass. He would be that – he's the perfect profile for what the Broncos could use as that running back, too. Yeah, I just – I'll pass. He didn't look very good this year, first of all. I think he picked up. Let him be somebody else's problem. I wouldn't pick him up because of that, but it's not like the Broncos are only picking up perfect people. I think he would make a lot of sense. I, as a general manager, wouldn't do it. I think he's pretty much a perfect fit. I just I didn't see much from him this year. Nothing nothing impressed me. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He certainly can. Compliments Phil. You can find like 14 guys in the draft who can not disagree- catch the ball out of I'm the not backfield. disagreeing uh-huh. with that. All right, from Oklahoma, Broncos evil twin. On the topic of crying, I never really got choked up about things until I got kids. For almost six years now, it's even if it's even minorly wholesome, I start to tear up. Don't feel bad about being the ra- about random crying, RK. Actually, I I'll s- with the kids thing, and I can say having a daughter as well, um, whenever there's a school shooting, I cry. Mm, yeah. because I mean, It's hard not to. I, I cry for the parents. I cry for the families, for the kids. And honestly, I kind of cry for the constant fear of something like that happening. Yeah. yeah, it's just effed up that we live in that world. Um, with wide receiver being the most likely round one pick, who are the round two tackles you prefer? Guys like Jackson, Becton, Niang, and Wingohu. Wingohu? Wingohu. I, I don't think Jackson will be there in the second. He officially declared, by the way. Good. And Austin so did uh, Werfs. Yeah, Good. and uh, Wingohu is going to be down at the Senior Bowl. Right now, I like Wingohu best of that group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who I would say as well. Next one coming in from Jay Harrison, 16. I commented a little bit ago, but I got a hot take. Dolphins have three first-round picks this year. They'll trade their top and middle pick to the Bengals for their first, get Joe Burrow, and the Bengals will get Tua and another wide receiver. It's an interesting thought. I think the Dolphins are locked in on Tua, though. I from, think so, too. From Bobby Lanks, I appreciate what you all do. I subscribed in December because I had been listening to the pod and was a huge Mace fan. Great ad, Brandon. I no longer listen to the bogus narrative some fans put on the airwaves i spend 75 percent of my free time listening to y'all this could be a bad thing but it shows the family type of environment you've created love, love it. it do you see mecky beckton 
I think it's Mackay, but don't quote me on that. I don't have the pronunciation guy. Don't ask me. Mackay, I wasn't going to ask you. <laughs> Mackay Becton fitting in now with the Shermer offense, which a very bad misspelling of Shermer. Mace, who caught your eye and was there any buzz from the scouting community from your week with the parents? Hope they are well. Uh, they are well. Thank you very much. Um, it was kind of it was kind of quiet down there. Now, the interesting thing with the Shrine game, you've got the scouts that are divided in two spots this week. Some are at the Shrine. Some are NFLPA. at the NFLPA collegiate game out in L.A. Uh, one thing, I mean, I can tell you just observing the Broncos and kind of getting a feel for what they were focused on, a lot of focus on offensive and defensive lines. Mm, paying good. very close attention to what was going on at those positions. They also, uh, after the Monday practice, um, chatted up uh, Kevin Davidson, the quarterback from Princeton, who looked pretty good over the course of three days. Looked pretty smooth out there. I'm not saying that he's... Has a- his car been burnt to the ground? <laughs> Egged, maybe. That's my uh, that's my new yeah. bar for backup quarterbacks. <laughs> he... Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing. Okay. The okay. interesting thing with him is he doesn't have a lot of starting experience. He only started as a senior. So definitely a project type. But if the Broncos go for another undrafted rookie, I think he could be on the radar. River Vapecraft. <laughs> Such a in. good name. It is. Hamilton Patrick Winfrey. Which of these three will have the most yards next year? This is assuming we get a wide receiver in rounds one through three. I think we're all going to say the same thing. Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> From Jack Mihoff. <laughs> That's one that even with the gap it doesn't help. I mean, the only thing we're missing on this is uh you know, someone whose first name is Haywood, last name is Chiplomi. <laughs> <laughs> You guys ever seen? Last name is Jablomi. Have you ever seen Hamlet Two? No. No. Okay, it's like basically a a high school drama teacher played by Steve Coogan writes a sequel to Hamlet, and has the the to try to save the drama program at his school. And there's a student in there who tells him that his name is Haywood. Chiplomi, and he doesn't figure out it's a fake. And then he goes to meet with, says, oh, Haywood's got such potential. He meets with his parents, and the parents are like, who's Haywood? Your son Haywood. Haywood Chiplomi. Oh, I just got that. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I, went, uh, I went to school with a girl whose last name was Jablonski, so that's not oh. that far off. Haywood Jablonski? Jablonski? <laughs> I'm just saying, her last name, yeah. it's not yeah. that far away from Jablomi. Right. Right. At least we haven't seen a Mr. ACO film, first name Phil yet. Yes, we will. <laughs> oh, well, I think we. It's already been taken. Yep. Um, he says, just wanted to say, when Zach and Ryan were saying that Vegemite sounded like mites blended up, I threw up in my mouth a little, had to pull over the truck for fear oh, I would puke in it. Oh, my gosh. Messed up, Zach. That's how I felt when you guys were going on about blood pudding and blood uh, sausage and yeah. all that. You know, there's actually an Australian restaurant not too far from the Bronco facility. Austra- really? Over really? in Corner Star at Parker and Arapaho. What's it called? The Great Australian Bite, B-I-T-E. Oh, because, I've seen that. I like, yeah. I see a pl- the flag. A nice yeah. little play on words. I figure you'd appreciate that because the Great Australian Bite, B-I-G-H-T, is a feature of the coast. See, I think that that um, 
pun falls short on like 98% <laughs> of people. Yeah. I thought I it was no clever. Idea. Yeah, you are the only person. <laughs> you are their target demo. Maybe I should go there for lunch. <laughs> Tell us about it. Do you think they serve Vegemite? I thought you already had lunch. I haven't. I haven't no had No plan, though. Well, maybe I'll go get a, like a, a hot dog, right? Hot dog. I might right. do that tomorrow. I don't know. He's going to eat it upside down. <laughs> yeah. Um... J3, J3, oh yeah, go ahead. J3 Bronco, one more comment referring to the worst fan base out there. I didn't hear it mentioned yesterday, which I thought was a huge oversight. The Dallas Cowboys fans seem to be the worst. Am I wrong? I'm not sure about the worst. Maybe the dumbest. The Dallas Cowboys haven't won anything in my lifetime, so I don't have to and worry about And they think that they're still the kings of the NFL. Their fan, you know, their fans are deluded. Like you, you point out uh, that what Pat Bowen did compared to Jerry Jones. Uh, and that's why uh, there are a Talk lot throwing up in your mouth. There are a lot of cowboy fans that I muted and blocked a couple of years ago. I just couldn't deal with them. They're not rational. And you know, say, Hey, you know what you guys haven't, you guys haven't even played in a conference championship game since Bill Clinton's first term, <laughs> which was what year? January of 1996. When they won the last time they won a Super Bowl, they haven't come within one game of the Super Bowl since Super Bowl Thirty. Barry Switzer was their coach. Unreal. Whew. From Nick Geyer, yo, I totally understand how this podcast community can really help people when they're down because I had that experience too. Just know you're never alone. Also, I'm on the cry at anything, especially animals and triumphant sports moments. Train. Uh, what's your dude's favorite sports moment that made you cry? Mine was Ray Bork winning the cup. Oof. By the way, Fox and Hound was great. Have a great day, everyone. I no. cried when the Braves lost an 18-inning playoff game to the Astros back in We're talking about happy cries. <laughs> Your favorite sports moment that made you cry. Oh, well. Or do you not happy cry? I, I, I'm not a happy cry. I'm a sad cry. Hmm. Probably mm. uh, when Trevor Simeon got his first start. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go uh, when Matt Holiday touched the plate. You cried. Yeah, I think so. Hell yeah. Great moment to cry at. So uh, you didn't cry is what you're saying. What? <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Mason's saying he didn't touch the plate. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> he didn't touch the plate. He He's the plate, so man. thankful that instant replay didn't exist in 2007. They wouldn't have been able to overturn that. He didn't touch the plate. I'm okay, sorry. here's the thing. You can make that case all you want. You can say he didn't touch the plate. The problem is the catcher, he of Cherry Creek High School, I believe, uh, didn't touch Matt Holiday with the ball afterwards. If he did, he, you might have a case, but he never touched so him. So it just exists in that ether of not knowing. It's not a run, but he's not out. The play should still be going then. Technically, he'd Theoretically. be out for going out of the base paths by now. <laughs> <laughs> by like thousands of miles. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, but if he would have, I I could listen to the I could listen to that. But there's always another thing that people are ignoring. Like it's just like the fifth down. People want to talk about the fifth down for CU, but it's not CU's fault. And they spiked the ball on fourth down, which was marked as third down on the side. They never would have spiked the ball if it didn't say it was third down. They might have scored on that play, and none of this would have ever mattered. But the point is, they still had five downs. <laughs> but one down they didn't use. They only used four downs. You don't know how that would have turned out. You don't know. You can say you don't know, but you can't say they would have lost had it not been for the fifth down. 
Right. The, the worst part of it was when Bill McCartney was going for the false equivalence by saying, well, Mizzou has that omni-turf that everyone's slipping and sliding on because it was a really bad oh form of artificial turf back in, in the 80s and 90s because it was like the old school turf except it had a sand infill, and so you couldn't get your footing on it. It's and so terrible. McCartney went off kind of saying that playing on the turf canceled out you know, the whole fifth down thing, which is when it, it got a little ludicrous. Like, come on, Bill. But here's the thing is it's not – a, they didn't cheat or anything like that. It was just a, it was just a mix-up. And it was Mizzou's crew. So if you're mad at anything, you're just mad at the ref or the, the line judge. Mizzou's down crew. Yeah, let's have, let's have this conversation with Drew on the pod. We'll see his. We'll get his take. Well, I, Drew look, I, I, Drew, no, uh, no, Drew Locke. Drew Locke. You, you know where Drew Locke and I are going to stand on this. You can't stand anywhere other than we don't know what would have happened otherwise. <laughs> I agree. Also, with it's that. not like the game mattered to Missouri. Only people who pull this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Timeout. Okay. <laughs> it's, not winning, like, it's not like this was the national championship. Winning game. that game would have been transformative for the Missouri program at that time. Yes, I know. You know, we should, we should have Andy. You know what? Feather in the cap Andy Locke is the person we need to have on this. I'm down. Because he was around <laughs> the Mizzou program at that time, of course. Or, heck, Andy Reid, if he's ever available. We should have him on. He was on the Mizzou staff back then under Bob Stoll. Winning that game in 1990 for Mizzou would have altered the entire direction of Mizzou football. Okay. That's fine. I kid you not. <laughs> That's fine. But it's not as if this was the national championship game. And if Missouri won, they're the national championship. If the Buffs – the people who talk about the fifth down are not Missouri fans usually. It's Nebraska fans or CSU fans because they don't want the Buffs to have that national championship and they believe it's somehow skewed by this. Well, now you're taking this out on CSU fans? It's not – it doesn't matter. All that happened is they used their four – they only used four downs – they just wasted a fake down. There's a fake down that exists. The Buffs threw it away anyway. It doesn't and by, matter. And how does Colorado win the national title with a loss and a tie when there's an undefeated team with a tie in Georgia Tech and they had to share it? Because they're better. They had better wins. And by the way, <laughs> the only reason that it was a shared national title, the only reason is because, uh, oh, God, what's the idiot coach from Nebraska? <laughs> Tom Osborne, Tom Osborne didn't even rank the Buffs in his rankings. He left them out of the top 25 entirely, which <laughs> sunk them so low that they fell out of first place in the coaches' pool. Do you think that the clipping penalty on Rocket Ismail's punt return was legit? There's a flag. What can you do? <laughs> Come on! All I'm saying is every championship team ever got a little bit of luck. They had a lot of luck. I would well, say the fifth that this down doesn't affect anything. I would say that CU, the luck that it had that year, is almost at the level of the Broncos in 2015. Well, I can, I can assure you that we have served our sentence for all of that luck. <laughs> Anyways, that, that went much longer than I thought so it would. So, where go. have you cried, Ryan? Um, Anything CU does? They like sign a pretty much two star recruit. It's tears. Honestly, if I just hear Folsom roar, it almost makes. Me I, cry. I'll tell you what, what. What it'll happen this year. I'm going to make my prediction. Call my shot. Ryan will cry when CU advances to the Sweet 16 for the first time in his lifetime. Oh yeah, oh. for sure. Just give me. It's all about matchups Play, in the tournament. Yep, and CU makes it to the second weekend. What would their seed be? They're looking at a four or five right now. Oof. 
Got to win tonight against ASU. They already took care of ASU in Shanghai. Um, they don't get him at home this year, which is kind of lame. So they got to get this road win. That'll help them. Um, so it'd be two wins to get to the Sweet 16. Yep. And they've only ever had one win? In my lifetime. They made wow. it to Sweet 16 with Chauncey. Right. Wait, that was in my lifetime. No, no, no. They didn't make it. They made it to the round of 32. They lost to – Oh. Because Dean, Dean Smith set the record for coaching wins at the time, 800 – he set the record by beating CU in the second round. It was basically a home game for Carolina because when, when, in Winston-Salem. The, the CU-Indiana game, that's where Bobby Knight walked back to the hotel. Yeah. Because he was so pissed, and it was raining, and he walked in the rain back to the hotel. Right. They yeah, they haven't made it in my lifetime. They should have uh, beat um, Baylor in 2012, I believe it was. That was my upset pick. I had CU in the Sweet 16 that year in my bracket. Brady Heslip who never did much after this except for dominate the D-League, um, hit nine threes, I believe, to put Baylor and help them win. Oh, boy. That's a tough one. I just remember sitting in the stadium just be like, someone just lay him out. <laughs> he was like seven of seven. I'm like, throw him into the third row. <laughs> Anyways, um, the Bork is probably the best one. Um, and I was a kid, and I cried at that one. Yeah, not even 21. Okay, from Sir James Radio. By the way, three-hour podcast is happening. Uh, first <laughs> off, I just want to say how happy I am to our Australian contingent DNVR family for all the rain that is heading their way. Uh, I implore them, having lived in Southern California my entire life, with all the wildfires, we have to be mindful and careful about the insane mudslides that follow. Be safe, guys. Finally, Law & Order has returned. Welcome back, Mace. What we need is the bum, Law & Order sound. We need that. <laughs> How do you guys feel about the MLB sign-stealing punishments as it relates to the NFL with multiple violations in places like New England? I mean, it's more harsh than what the NFL has done to the Patriots, but it's not harsh enough for me. Anyone would pay that to win a championship. Is there an owner in baseball who would not pay $5 million? No, and not an owner in baseball who wouldn't sacrifice their coach and GM for a year and four picks. So should I call up Liberty Media? It's a local call here. They own the Braves. They're just down the street, down by uh, Meridian, and tell them, guys, go ahead and cheat if it's worth $5 million. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't, <laughs> have, I can't endorse my team cheating to win a title. They've already cheated and been punished, the Atlanta Braves. they fi Actually, the interesting thing is you had – with the Astros, guys getting banned for a year, but John Coppolella, the Braves GM, got banned for life as part of the scandal in under-the-table payments to kind of the handlers of some of these prospects coming from Latin America to try to get them aboard. I would be much more strong with the ban hammer. If, if you cheat this overtly, you're gone. You're done. So, so that's how you wanted the punishment to be more intense. Yeah, lifetime ban. So you're not a fan of Steve Skarnecchia, who was kind of behind the videotaping thing with the Broncos and got fired? You're not a fan of him being back in the NFL? No, I just think if you cheat in this fashion, you don't, you're done. You don't get to be a part of this anymore. It's not like I have to feel bad about this because you haven't made enough money or anything like that. You've made your money. You've, do you've done all this stuff. You're done. You're gone. Goodbye. Get away forever. Besides the people that were banned forever, I don't think anyone would disagree. Yeah. Next uh, one. Oh, by the way, I have some bad news. What? The Australian restaurant I referenced, the Great Australian Bite, 
is closed. Oh, so you're no saying it understood. went down under? Oh, permanently wow. closed. Oh. We're gonna we're gonna have to make that wow. joke expensive of them. Not share a moment of silence. I just yeah, I think the name is what really hurt them. <laughs> they thought they were uh, making a really great pun there that no one understood. All right, the next one is from Wilma Fingerdo. And Lou Sassels chimes in and says that Wilma was in it was instrumental in the creation of Lou. Oh my gosh. You've got to be kidding me. Oh my gosh. Wilma says, Howdy, just wanted to come on here and claim my throne as the original double entendre username of the DNVR Broncos podcast. I've never known much of a I've never been known as much of a trend center, but I guess even a broke clock is right twice a day. Thank you, Big Zach. Interesting. Hey. RK and Mace for giving us a place to facilitate this horrendously immature act. Love y'all. Go Broncos. <laughs> we love you too, Wilma Fingerdoo. From Orange Crush, look into the future and tell me who Lawrence is playing for in 2021. New England. Stop. Carolina. I don't think they're that bad. <sighs> I can't think of anyone. I don't know who's going to be the worst team. Okay, I'll run through the worst teams this year. All right. Cincinnati. Well, they're gonna they're probably they're gonna, gonna be there, but they're not gonna take uh, Trevor Lawrence. Washington. Oh, that's a good Maybe. candidate. I'm gonna give it to them. Yep, Detroit. Oh, Too no, good with Matthew Stafford, Stafford when he comes back. back. The Giants. No, they'll be fine. Carolina. Uh, Chargers. They'll no. probably get a quarterback this year. It's gonna be the Redskins. They're gonna have. And he's Tom gonna Brady. fail too. And my take about Locke being the best of the three is gonna pan the ch- out the, swimmingly. The Chargers are gonna have Tom Brady. He's going to play at a league average level a Joe Flacco type of level and they'll win they'll win five to seven games and uh they will not draft a quarterback they will not be in position to get Trevor Lawrence what about Indy it's possible that's a possibility but they're really good they have a good offensive line and a good defense it's hard to be losing it would be good for them to do that though this year okay so what's the team that's pretty good right now that could totally collapse that's what I was trying to look at Giants they're not. They're not oh, I'm sorry. Good. Not the not Patriots. The no. Um, Browns. Um, uh, Dallas. Hmm. If they don't take, if they don't sign up Dak, or if they do. Oh, see, like either, like, either way, but I guess they wouldn't be taking a quarterback. Let's say Ben Roethlisberger doesn't make it back. On the one hand, you could see Pittsburgh, but on the other hand, they managed to go eight and six with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. Yep. We'll see. I, Mike, guess. I don't think Mike Tomlin would allow that team to go any worse than like six and ten. Yeah. From negative false positive, burritos are a breakfast, lunch, and dinner food. Is Amari Cooper a possible number two? I think people are going to pay him as a one. Oh, so yeah. So you're not going to get him as a oh, two. Oh, he's, he's getting paid. All right. From Joe Schmo, RK, what's your go to type of bread, jelly, and peanut butter for your PB&Js? Toasted or not toasted? There's only one right answer toasted. Not for me, not toasted. I actually like not toasted as well. Yeah. Um, bread, I get like the whole grain that doesn't have any bumps in it. Like it's smooth whole grain. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Not any seeds or grains. Nothing, yeah, I don't, gotcha. I don't like any, any of that stuff. Um, jelly is just uh, Smucker's strawberry. Okay. And then peanut butter is um, Skippy natural or no jiff natural it's creamy i gotta creamy. go yeah jiff natural creamy is a phenomenal choice that's that is my go-to now i use the straight up wheat bread and then str- look 
Strawberry Smuckers is a good standby. You should always have it in your refrigerator there when needed. But I admit, I sometimes go fancy and get jams from farmer's markets. So I've had like, you know, I've had Marionberry. For a brief period, 12 years ago, guys, Smuckers made mango jam. And it was phenomenal. Too sugary, I think. Or not sugary. It's like this very candy like I, flavor i couldn't get it here they had it out in north carolina and it was tremendous and i i've never been able to find it since then not even back east i actually okay when i was in florida for example you'd think you'd find things like mango and guava and that sort of thing i went to a public grocery store down there and no mango jam from any brand wow what a shame in florida you th- there there's a town not too far from tampa literally called mango <laughs> have you guys ever had pepper jelly on cheese and stuff? Oh, yeah. That's really good, too. Have you ever tried that on a PB&J? No. I, I have ha- it on a burger, and it's amazing. I mm. had, for a while, from a farmer's market, some blackberry jalapeno jam. Yum. Oh, my stars. Yeah. <laughs> this thing was amazing. Okay. We Boys, did it. We've done it. We did it. We did it. Don't, we did it. Don't clap. We did it. Don't, Hooray. Please, please don't clap. Three-hour podcast. So we did the equivalent oh of a four-hour radio show. We did Long a four-hour morning show. With no breaks. Yep, no breaks. And I have to pee so bad. <laughs> um, and the last thing here is, is the offensive line really in need of that much is the, uh, of an upgrade? Where do you need to invest a high draft pick or lots of money? Honestly, the line seems servable, serviceable in year two. Under Munchak can only make it better. Hot take. I still have some faith in Bowles with, uh, and this line with Locke as the quarterback. Hot take. Or is it? It's what? Sim- it's a John take. <laughs> They're going to roll with it. I don't think you have to invest that much for the passing game. It's the running game that needs a little bit of help, I think. I, I'm gone. I, I thought we were done. I'm checked out. I'm sorry. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in for all three hours of this podcast if you've made it this far. We appreciate everything you guys do for us. We appreciate this community. We appreciate the reviews. We appreciate the comments. And we appreciate each other. So until tomorrow, (laughs) have a great day. And thank you for listening to the DNVR Broncos podcast. Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. 
Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.